name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore for one last time as the year draws to a close, the year being 2023. And this is the review of the year 2023. I am joined by Sonic Architect Adam. Hello, hello, hello. What a better way to end the year than this, says I. Says you. Says both of us, really. And it's been a big year for the show. First thing to say is serious, massive thank you to anyone who listened and everyone who's listened. And um, I would highly encourage you to leave reviews online, tell a friend. And if you want to show some love at Christmas time and support the show, we are fiercely independent. It is patreon.com slash no encore. So the format of the show is going to be different this year um, because it was a year of guest co-hosts. It was a different year. Didn't review a lot of new music. I kind of fell off the radar. I've got some favorites. We all do. But uh, usually what we've done previously in previous years is we had like a top 20 list of albums and songs, two different episodes. Uh, that's gone. That's gone this year. It's gone. So just, you know, move on. We all got to move on. And defenestrated. Uh, to use a word I love, yeah. Because it just wouldn't make sense, I think, to go through, you know, that kind of critical way unless I had, like, you know, a more regular kind of format on that, which I haven't had. So instead, we sat down, Adam. We did. You and I. And we had a very fun kind of concoction. And we decided, let's do a review of the year. And the review of the year is coming in the form of various different awards. There will also be a section for some music that we liked. But generally, the way it's going to work is we're going to go through different award categories, which we'll go through. We'll we'll see how we go. Maybe we'll listen at the start, maybe we won't. But it will be fun. As always, we look to take a bit of a sideways glance. And uh, yes, I guess real quick before we progress, what I would say is, has it been a good year for music? I don't know is the answer. Because I usually I'm very definitive on this stuff. But because... I really, uh, which is a terrible thing to admit as a music journalist, podcast host, I really committed more to films this year. And uh, I, I, I really struggled, I think, with actually engaging with albums on a regular basis. And also with new songs, I just fell off the fucking map. And I think the fault is mine. But at the same time, I don't think it was a strong year. What do you think? Um, hard to tell. Um, I was a bit out of the loop as well. I had... Um, as I've mentioned on the podcast, I was kind of in production mode for a lot of this year. I had had three albums I produced come out. And I think like the fact that there was just so much involved there um, and it wasn't all just this year, it was spanning across many years. But also like th- this year um, for me, I kind of felt like I needed to maybe not consume as much on the on that basis. But the stuff I have heard and there, like there's been more stuff that's resonated with me than not so far. Um which is good, but again, it's for me, it's a bit of a small pool. And maybe, again, that's sacrilege coming from someone who's a music producer and should be um, immersing themselves in that world. And I have dipped my toe in towards the back half of the year. Um, I mentioned on one of um, our Patreon posts about the uh, Spotify Daylist. That's been absolutely fantastic for me, finding new music from this year and not this year. Look at you, selling out to big Spotify. Listen, look... You live by the sword, you die by the sword is is how I look at it. Well, look, we're going to, some people are going to die by swords on this one, theoretically speaking, in terms of some of the awards we're going to hand out. Yeah. And others are going to be... wooden spoons, if you will. Yeah. yeah, other ones are going to be brought onto a pedestal because we're going to have all kinds of good and bad and indifferent and weird awards across the show as we chat this up. I mean, I think the, the year, you know, has it been a good year for music? It is one of those kind of unanswerable questions, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Like, what do you think, Craig? I mean, a lot of people have been saying it's been quite underwhelming in more ways than one. I I do think the problem might lie with you guys in terms of, you know, you feel like you fall off the radar and God knows I know what that's like. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's really important that like you've got someone in your life every week, just a kind of young, vibrant, you know, hip, trusting. Hip, <laughs> hip trusting or hip thrusting? Hip trusting. I could actually feel the blood draining from my legs before he even got there. Yeah. I mean, just, look, you've you been know, someone to keep you, yeah, you like listen. connected with the kids and what's current and just someone with their finger on the pulse. Like you're awfully, and I don't know if you've been missing that, guys. You're awfully talkative <laughs> for somebody who's been sitting there for nine whole months not saying anything. So, I mean, like, what's it's all this? It's nice to finally get a word in. <laughs> Happy Christmas, everybody. Yay! He's back on the show. Yay! It's Craig it's a, Fitzpatrick. It's a Christmas miracle. It is a Christmas miracle. It's Dave. It's Adam. It's great to see you about. It's the boys. Uh, Christmas finally back. begins. This is, I'm feeling warm. I was feeling nervous before this. So was I, um, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a while. However, I should say, and I, it's I, I, been a while. I'll double back and I'll say that the, the idea to do awards came from you. So it was your decision too. Yeah, and I almost immediately regretted it when I realised that we'd initially been like, let's do a kind of, you know, news section of old news. I and sent you like 10 topics. stories we could look at. And you yeah, were like, yeah. you being we ever... We could have just done that. Yeah, ever a creative strategist, you were like, why let's don't we... Shoot horn these into awards that we now have to come up Why with. Why not give ourselves more work to do uh, as Christmas closes in in our jobs? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you you guys clearly missed me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be spoken for. I'll tell you that. It does feel fitting that like, you know, no, no spoilers, but for such an underwhelming year that you would go for the most underwhelming surprise guest for the final episode. I see what he's doing here. He's doing the reverse psychology thing. Oh, yeah, he yeah, wants yeah. me to say, actually, no. No, that's not true. I'm. We are genuinely thrilled to have you back on the show. Thank you. 100%. The is all mine. But we are, thank but, you, listener. Yeah, but we are not doing the albums and songs thing. We are doing awards. And that's... Uh, is it? Do you think we should go through what the award categories are at the start or should they kind of like come along the way? I don't know. We, we really should have decided this beforehand. Of yeah. I, th- I think let them happen. Let them happen. Let, let them, them happen. happen. But yeah. I will say, I mean, said. in true like no encore fashion, a lot of these supposed awards have just kind of operated as um, platforms to rant a little bit and yeah. give out. Yeah. So. Well, let's start with Harmony then, shall yes, we? Because we did please. actually bring some of our favourites of oh, the year. Yeah. So, so these aren't necessarily, well, I mean, they're kind of awards if they're our favourites, but they're not, this isn't the, this is the pre-awards, you know, chat. So, uh, Pull up a chair, get involved. I don't know if you listen on the go. That's okay as well. Yeah. Uh, let's get into our favourites of the year. And um, will, will we start with mine? Yeah. <laughs> will I'd I just volunteer my ego out there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, here is my song of the year for 2023. But nothing's any different. Right now feels the same. I wonder why. I wish they told us. It shouldn't take a sickness or airplanes falling out the sky. Do I have to die to hear you miss me? Do I have to die to hear you say goodbye? I don't want to so yeah, that's uh, Tom DeLong putting Jeremy Renner to shame there with some of those vocal uh, efforts and production nouses. That is Blink-182, One More Time. It is the title track from the album, One More Time. Now, I do want to jump in immediately and say, do I think that this is the best song of the year? No. Do I think it's the best written song of the year? No. Do I think the lyrics are the best? No. Do I think the vocals are the best? I don't. And yet, it is my song of the year. And why, 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 David? Why Take is that it? blink <laughs> if you're listening. So here's the thing as I crack open a celebratory can, by the way, for hey. the first time on my phone in a long time. That's good. Thank you, Adam, for supplying the you're wonderful, wonderful I'm nectar. Gonna, I'm gonna join you here. Please do. 
So oh. yes, uh, <laughs> the Blink One Eighty Two thing. The Blink One Eighty Two thing, right? Listen, it's a band I've been listening to since I was a teenager. I've grown up with this band. We've been through many scrapes together. Uh, I'd like to think that we've become men together, as they say. Uh, it's the fact that this song exists. Now, I should say, I do love the song. I think it's heartfelt and beautiful. I think it is uh, almost leveling up when it comes to wearing your heart on your sleeve. And while I totally appreciate that that is hardcore ammunition for people who hate this band mm. and want to be snobby about it, and that's fine. But as I said at the time, and like the first time this came out and I heard the, I heard, like I listened to it a couple of times and it didn't really hit me. And then it did and it really did and I couldn't stop listening to it all weekend that, that it came out. And I just thought the fact that these guys who've been through so much together and have fallen out on more than one occasion and have come back together for the good of, I guess, their own lives. And of course, this follows on from Mark Hoppus um, struggling with health and thankfully he's better. Mm. Um, and, you know, they've, they made a point of saying that once that happens, nothing matters anymore. We are brothers. We need to sort this out. And the fact that this album exists is a testament to that. It means a lot more than the songs contained within. I like the album. I think it's a good album. Not classic, but it's good. And this song, I think, has a beautiful resonance to it because they are really saying, they're screaming the quiet part loud. Yeah. They don't fucking care if you think that they're lame and they're, you know, too old for this shit. They don't care. It's a it's a statement of, of, of union and love, and I thought it was so beautifully done in that regard. It's no frills, it's amazing. And on a personal level, it inspired me directly to make a positive change in my own life, and I'm glad for that. And so for all those reasons, it had to be my song of the year. Well said. Um, nice that we're starting off light. <laughs> well enough. It's beautiful. It's really, really sweet. It's so strange seeing them now as like the elder states men of like, their dads, <laughs> like yeah. industry. Um then popping up at Coachella, which we'll probably talk a little bit more about later on, was um was great. Felt like a moment. It was an emotional weekend, that weekend for many, many reasons, <laughs> which we'll also talk about. But yeah, it's great to have them back. It's good having Blink in the world. Um, lovely, lovely choice. They're a force for good. I have to they say, are. like, it, it, I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but um, it, I, I, there was something about this whole thing that just connected so quickly with me um the new album that came out in particular it was just like you know I don't, I don't know what it was but it was like just I was magnetically stuck to it for the guts of a couple of weeks and yeah I'm I again force for good it's all it all felt very positive and it all felt very nice they also um, had a tolerable Zane Lowe interview, and how often can you say that? It was, it was really workers. good. It was really good, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. also they cancelled at the last minute in Dublin, and I'm forgiving them for it. It's fine. <laughs> Travis, his wife had a medical emergency. Everyone, everyone's good now. Well, that's all right. There are that's people right. you yeah. wouldn't forgive for that and haven't forgiven. Oh, Absolutely. Oh, well, no we may, let's not. Let's Craig, not. Listeners of the show will know. Yeah, Craig, can we have your song of 2023, please? Oh yeah. Um, let's go for Donegal's finest.
Yeah. So that is, I, I feel like we're, we're safe to go with Donegal's finest, right? Ancestral home of Anoni, um, returning with the Johnsons after um, a long time apart. And she came back with a very, very special record. My back was a bridge for you to cross. Not always the most... Um, easy listen although we're kind of getting back more into the soul and the pop um, that she'd kind of abandoned for a while to do really really challenging work the challenging moments are still there but there was also a lot of respite and release and this song in particular rest for me just stuck with me throughout the year it's um, uplifting it's a tribute to kind of you know as most of the album is activists that have gone before pioneers that have gone before, people that are trying to make a difference, the good of humanity, which I think was something that we all needed to cling to a bit more this year and could easily lose sight of. And just the swelling sound of that. And as Adam was saying, like the guitar solo there, it just instantly reminded me of like a maggot brain, you know, Eddie Hazel, just really ripping. There's a lot of lovely guitar all over the record, like leaning into kind of psychedelic and, you know, that old school rock, but in a really fresh way and just paired with the voice. Oh, yeah. Just one of the greatest voices of all time. I don't care. just... If rarely, if ever, misses, yeah, and has commanded so much emotion and power over over every single iteration and year that they've been performing, yeah. just fucking unbelievable. So yeah, a lot. Yeah, there was there was big anthems on the record. Um, Scapegoat was really. It's like it's a tough listen. It's an important song. Um, it must change. Just felt like a rallying call, but not something you can constantly go to. Whereas this was a bomb and just an ever-present and there was no real competition for me. I've got to say, like, being off the show, I haven't been listening to stuff with, like, my usual critical ear. I've I've been listening to music to enjoy it and it's been very disconcerting and upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like it. <laughs> this isn't how it's supposed do to be. Do other people yeah. do this? <laughs> this is not what art is supposed to be. It's Your there hand, to be... <laughs> his hand with a pen in it just quivering every Harpooned single time. At every occasion, yeah. Absolutely. So I didn't do a lot of dissection of this, but so great to have Anani back um, after so long. And yeah, it was ever present, so had to go in. I think um, time for time for my song of the yes, year, guys. And it's it. it's someone I've spoken about, not at length. I've spoken at uh, to to many great heights on on the podcast. My fears, they keep me Last to Know by Balance and Composure. It's a song that I have again and again and again and again turned on like at various parts of the day and every day of the week. Like it's it's been, like Craig said, omnipresent mm. in my life since it came out. And I like there's so I have such an affinity with this. It, they did an AB release spoke about it on the podcast in the top five Midwest emo this year with uh, with Hugh Carr. Um, for that, I picked a song off um, off one of my um, one of my favorite records, the things we think we're missing. And since then, they kind of I feel like they 
were too squeaky clean and they had two records out and it just wasn't it wasn't doing it for me at all. I felt very sanitized. And then they came back with the AB side this year with this and another song called Savior Mode. And it's just such a return to form for me. Like it's mm. it's the perfect growth from that second record that I was hoping for in the third record that I just didn't get. And they're they're touring. Um they're they're playing shows, they're playing new material, which is very, very exciting. Um I have a lot of love for this band. And I really hope to see something long form in 2024 or 2025. I, I like with they've had such a tumultuous past. And again, I spoke about that on, on the episode before, so I won't bore um, listeners into hearing it again. But like they had a hiatus and there was like money stolen and it, it, it was all very um, arduous and acrimonious at times. But it seems to be in a good place now. And I'm just very, very happy that they're back. Like I've one one band that I feel like I kind of lost to the ether, and I'm, it's just it's great. It's really, really great that they're back, and it stuck with me this year. So yeah, that's balancing composure. The song is last to know. Great name for a band, by the way. And I will say, yeah. uh, as a mark of the song being great, and also Adam's positive influence, it made my top 100 most played songs <laughs> you, of the year. You did tell top me that. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, you know the playlist. That you, it scraped you into the top 100. I think it's like somewhere in the middle. Like, oh, I, mean, nice. like I did love this song. Um, okay, let's do some honorable mentions now. Adam, I yeah. sent you a lot of audio, but I think there might be too much to play. Like I'm just kind of I don't want to be too greedy. You can here. be selective about it. So let's be selective yeah. about it. Um, yeah. How about I, 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 we'll do two? I, I'm going to list what I have, but we'll play two of them. Is that cool? That sounds great. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's play the first one I have on my list here. So that's uh, Pink Panthers and Ice Spice with what is technically a remix, but it's amazing. have to ask why is this in your top songs because there's nothing <laughs> about that that makes sense to me it's a great song the bop so yeah that's a uh, pink pantheris and ice spice boys a liar part two so boys a liar came out in 2022 i believe and this is like the sequel slash it's basically the same song instead let's put ice spice on it for a verse and um it's amazing why do i why do i love it i mean like i can't resist that um Bubble Bobble meets Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. The thing in the background, the little like 8-bit synth. Yeah, yeah it's, it's ridiculous. It's so like, bouncy, yeah. Uh, the song gets everything done in 2 minutes and 15 seconds. It's, yeah, it's get in, get out, <laughs> leave, leave a sexy corpse. Like It's, it's, inc- it's incredible it's really hyperpop, good. yeah. I was just really taken by uh, this record in total. I think this song is absolutely irresistible. It's the pop song of the year. I feel a little bit dirty putting it in because, like I say, it's part two, but it's basically mm, just a remix. Say, it's basically just a yeah, remix, you yeah. know. But they sold it enough to be like, you know what, fine. It was released this year. Yeah. Yeah. It counts. Which is, yeah. Also, we'll get to it. <laughs> also, 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 someone who's furious. <laughs> also, in my honorable mentions, uh, The Armed came back this year. They got a song called Everything's Glitter. It's fucking amazing. Uh, I went to see the film Master Gardener when that came out. It's Paul Schrader, one in the year. Oh, yeah. It closes with a cover of a song called Space and Time. The artist in question is Mariba. That song is amazing. I could not stop listening to it for about a month afterwards. Uh, I want to shout out Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo, which I think is astonishing. I think it's like the kind of moodier, 
younger sister of Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance or something. Uh, I think moodier, she's, you say? <laughs> even moodier, yeah. So a bit more introspective, though, I think. A bit okay. more like I've just been broken up with. Um, so uh, I think she's got the goods. And this song fucking rules. I, I don't give a shit if she's a Gen Z plant, if she's got a team of writers. I don't care. I think she's really good. And that song is fucking amazing. Uh, I know Craig agrees with me on this one. And this is another act that people kind of came after for being a, a hype plant or whatever. Uh, I thought Nothing Matters by The Last Dinner Party was amazing. Yeah, so did I. Just a brilliant, brilliant song. Kind of early sparks, very theatrical, very fun. Yeah, but there was that thing of like their industry plans immediately, which didn't make sense to me. I mean, it's something that we've always been like, yeah, if the music's good, who cares? Who cares, yeah. And it's a great, great song. And finally, in my honourable mentions, and we will play a snippet of this, uh, an artist I'd never heard of before, and I want to thank a listener to the show named Emma, who threw me this one day. Um, it's a art pop artist. I think they are from... They're Japanese-Scottish, born and raised in Toronto, Canada. Visual artist and designer, Saya Gray. That's S-A-Y-A, Gray. And this song is called Annie Pick a Flower. So yeah, that's uh, Annie Pick a Flower by Saya Gray, an artist I'm really unfamiliar with. And again, thank you to Emma for putting me in the direction of this. Anything I listened uh, of them, I thought was great. It really grabbed me. And in a year when stuff wasn't grabbing me, this was one that stood out for me. So there are my honourable mentions. Craig, can we have yours? Yeah, sure. I've no audio. Um, I forgot how to do this. But... <laughs> <laughs> What do you reckon my choices were, listener? Uh, so I went with Blur. <laughs> Blur <are> back. <laughs> now, joking aside, like, okay, the Ballad of Darren was the wonderfully titled album. Um, I was kind of slightly underwhelmed just in terms of, I was a big fan of the Magic Whip, which I, I felt like people didn't really get on board with um, their last kind of comeback. 2015? Yeah, a long time ago now. Um and Damon Albarn and the rest of the band almost disowned it in terms of just saying it wasn't, it didn't feel like a full blur record because of the process they went through to create it. Whereas this was, and I didn't get that at all from from the album. Like it felt like a Damon Albarn solo project with some lovely Graham Cox and moments, but it was nice. It was very mid-paced. There was one song though, the opening song, the ballad, nearly broke my heart when I first heard it because um, it's based on a demo that Damon Albarn had put out on his um, Demo Crazy album back in 2002, 2003, I think. Um, and I remember hearing that demo. It was like a minute long. It was called Half a Song just recorded on his phone and thinking he needs to make that into a proper song. It's going to be his best song. And he didn't for years and years and years. I didn't realize what was coming. And then I started the album and I was like, what's that melody? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, he made it into a song. Uh, yeah, so it was, that was very disconcerting in the most wonderful way. I so, thought the Narcissus was great, no? Yeah. Really I, grew I, on me. That was a really good comeback. Like, yeah, yeah, it was... Um, that had it like it's again pretty linear rock, but it was well written and it was very touching and it's classic elder statesman thing. Yeah, I suppose you've seen the clip of like Steve Lamac crying when he played it. <laughs> and he's like, "That's made me very moist, boy." <laughs> when 
whatever and he's just like reduced to a mess no there's lovely stuff on the album but it just doesn't feel like an absolute blur classic which is like which is fine um they can't all be classics um what are songs that i pick um, I went with Deceiver from M83, <laughs> your your boy, uh, Dave. Yeah, Anthony Gonzalez with a middling album, I thought. Yeah, and this was a really nice kind of ambient moment, um, which was, I think, maybe my second most played song of the year. It was just, um, you made a playlist for me, I think, last year, which I'm continuing to play, and that fit in nicely there, and it was nice kind of background music. I will say a lot of my years been spent getting up earlier than I usually would and listening to... Maria Somerville on NTS and just like ambient stuff from the west coast of Ireland. She's and great, I'm like, in she's amazing and she's very like, she like eases you into the day and she's yeah, like, yeah. we're the west coast of Ireland. I'm going to play some wonderful ambient music. And I'm like, brilliant. So that's been a lot of my year. Um, but stuff like that really fit in quite nicely. Um, and in terms of other picks, let's see, like this is kind of boring stuff. But 100 Gex, we were talking about like hyperpop. Um, I remember years ago now at this point when we did our like um, f- <laughs> our listener Q&A thing and people sent in questions and one of them was just like, do you like 100 Gex? Yeah. <laughs> we were like, I don't know, they're kind of interesting. Maybe it's the greatest question we've ever received, yeah, I think. Yeah. What song did you pick? Um, I went with Dumbest Girl Alive, which is probably the song I've... Um, related to the most this year just the lyrics are fantastic i think it's a totally universal um seemingly throwaway but actually quite deep like again two minute pop song that's fucking great and it's got like a shredder solo and it shouldn't work but it works wonderfully and let's see everything but the girl came back nothing left loose great great. really really good classy as always um and i'll give a shout out finally to tandem felix friend of the show david tapley uh, the song in particular, Message of the Afternoon. I think it's the best chorus of the year. There. Huge statement. There. Yeah. Huge yeah. statement. And he plays it like once. Well, he kind of doubles it up and then he just finishes the song. That's because what that's does what, yeah, man. Yeah. He plays with form. You also have uh, Lana Del Rey, A and W in there. And the reason I'm highlighting oh, yeah, that for was well, like that was number one on a lot of lists. And I was like, really? I was like, this would be like a good number one hundred, I think. It and feels also, so long ago now. It's fine. It's an okay song. It's nowhere near her best work. And I think people really kind of went gaga for it. And I was like, really? I was like, Jack Antonoff's just doing a Trent Reznor and Annika's Ross impression here, guys. <laughs> that, guy needs to get a, that guy needs to get away from stuff. Get him He's everywhere. away. He's everywhere. But I, I do love um is it American horror? Is that how we're supposed to pronounce it? I don't know. I guess it's kind so. of a few different things. I think it's vibey. I think it's really good. I like her trying stuff. Um, the album. I've tried so many times to kind of get into classic. It yeah, same stuff. problem for it's, me. She's still great, but yeah, I don't know. Adam, honorable mentions for songs. Honorable mentions for songs. I went very different to the face of both of you guys this year. Um, I've I have confidence man and DJ Seinfeld's now you do, which to me was just like two needles of serotonin straight into the ears like it's absolutely <laughs> it's, <painful. laughs> it's absolutely incredible I saw it for the first time as like a demo when I accidentally saw Confidence Man live in Manchester in May and it was just like pure caffeine like it's so much fun it's so like there's so little thought that went into the lyrics like it at least that's how it feels um, and based on what I I understand about Confidence Man's writing style, they tend to have a couple of glasses of wine before they go into the studio. Right. So Don't I fe- we all? I feel like this is a, <laughs> it was just, it was absolutely fantastic. If you haven't heard it, um, now you do. DJ Seinfeld and Confidence Man, so, so good. Um, 
this was a recent discovery and I felt like I had to put it in here because I've listened to it like every day for the last maybe two or three weeks. Um, it's an artist called, um, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Devanche or Devanche. Um, he is a guy from New York who now lives in London and he put out an album recently called To Feel Free. It came out this year. But the song that just hooked me in was a song called In Your Nature. It starts off in this really, like, it starts off kind of quite gently with some very crunchy drums and it's like quite indie and and slow and it kind of moves at a bit of a glacial pace. And then all of a sudden there's like this bass, really distorted bass comes in and like just changes the vibe entirely and it turns into like this massive crescendo of psychedelia at the end and like the vocals are so delicate it's all in kind of a falsetto-y tone the harmonies are it's the mix everything is just gorgeous spell the name of the artist d-e-v-a-n-s-h okay Mm. cool um, to Feel Free is the album and the song is uh, In Your Nature. There's an Australian um, producer called Kabu who I am a massive, massive fan of. He's kind of been off the radar for a little while, but he's just come back with um, a couple of singles on Majestic Casual, a record label that I really, really like. Have a lot of, um, I, have a, I have a lot of time for them and their back catalogue. Um, a song called Public Demand. Very, very simple. Just a bit of a club banger. Um, one to put on before you go out or you know at the afters I reckon uh, it's just yeah it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and it's again it's like two and a half three minutes get in get out and then the last one I have in there is my beloved Darius but not colorblind Darius a different or Darius a bee, by the way yeah, did, he, did he die he passed away last year oh last my year, goodness yeah. yeah well yeah I didn't realize that that's very upsetting um but Darius is French. He's a French artist. Terence uh, Terence Mounier, I believe, is his real name. Um, it's him featuring Benny Sings, a song called Rise, but it's not the original remix. He dropped, or it's not the original mix. It's a remix of the original mix that he did himself. So it's the Darius remix of the Darius song Rise featuring Benny Sings. Very <laughs> confusing. Um, he, he released an EP of B-sides and stuff from the cutting room floor that didn't make his album Oasis in 2022. Um, and that came out early this year and it's got like five or six songs on it, a couple of demos. There's a, some crap in there, but there's two really good ones. Um, and this is the standout for me. Okay, uh, I'm just going to blast through the next one because I want to get to the awards quickly. So I'd encourage you guys to follow my lead uh, just for the album picks. Uh, I'm just going to blast through my honorable mentions and then we'll play a cut from my album and we'll move on quickly. So my honorable mentions for album of the year, John Francis Flynn, Look Over the Wall, See the Sky, Pink Panthers, Heaven Knows, Lancome, False Lancome, Caroline Polachek, Desire, Wants to Turn Into You, Military Gun, Life Under the Gun, Raven by Kalella, for Granted by Yeji, The Blaze with Siren, which I thought actually was the better French dance album of the two between M83, which surprised me. Uh, Rat Wars by My Beloved Health, only dropped last week. Uh, uh, The Armed Perfect Saviors, not as good as Ultra Pop, but still very good. I want to shout out Kabina, friend of the show and former guest, for putting me in the direction of a band called Ragana. They're a duo. The album is called Desolation's Flower, and it is amazing. A wonderful mix of black metal and just beautiful aggression I loved it but my album of the year is this that 
that slice of euphoria is a song called I Saw. The band are Young Fathers and the album is Heavy Heavy. Came out early in the year, I think it was February. And they just go from strength to strength. I love the worlds that they conjure up. I find it life affirming. I think they're incredible. I think they're kind of peerless. And I mean, it's just another classic album from them. And that's all I got to say. I saw them live by accident this year as well at the same. A lot of accidental. (laughs) And also the kooks against my will once again. um, Slight difference there. Also one of the best bands in the world. (laughs) It's just classic after classic. Craig, what have you got? Um, Listen, it's been nine months. I'm going to stretch out here. I've got a lot to say. No, (laughs) go for it. Go for it. What we deserve. On the the Maria Somerville uh, tip, she's been playing a lot of Natalie Day and I've got really into her new album, um, Blooming As In The Sun, which is terrific. She's from like Albuquerque, New Mexico, and it doesn't really sound like it because she sounds like ambient Enya. Enya's already kind of ambient yeah, but anyway, I thought so. even more ambient Enya <laughs> you could imagine it getting 10% even better 10% more ambient <laughs> yeah. I've gone so often Stevens listen Javelin's really really great it does feel a bit like a career retrospective um and it's kind of somewhere pitched between Kerry and Lowell and maybe Illinois. I love the kind of really boundary pushing ascension type stuff this is safer and more what you might expect but it's so good and like if it was a debut it would be number one everywhere you know that kind of way I think we take Sufton for granted and he's had a rough year as well and then just a roundup of like some amazing hip hop that's all kind of interrelated and any one of these could nearly have taken the top spot so Billy Woods and Kenny Siegel I always want to say Seagal there but he's such a (laughs) it's got uh, connotations yeah Maps is tremendous such a good listen I think Billy Woods is like one of the best rappers maybe ever to do it he's on such an incredible streak it's a record about like touring and it's somehow still interesting Armin Hammer released another album as well him with a lucid we buy diabetic strips I'm still unpacking that one it's brilliant um on the album Maps, Billy Woods and Kenny Scal, Danny Brown pops up on maybe the standout track, which is Year Zero. He's had a really great year. Him and JPEG Mafia scaring the hose is like absolutely batshit and so much fun and brilliant. And I love them both. It was great. Um, less batshit was Danny Brown's own album, uh, Quaranta, which is like him reckoning with midlife, turning 40. Um, I think we went to rehab in April. It's the second half in particular is really reflective and mature and... There's been some kind of lukewarm responses to it. Um, I think it's up there with his very best stuff. It's a new side to him and he's still he's still right up there for me. And my album of the year is this one. Lord Abor and Mary Flynn Were both children young They were scarcely 14 Lancome, it's false Lancome. Um, I totally was forgetting that, like, we listened to all these clips sitting around looking at each other when I picked Lord Bourne, Mary Flynn, which is a lengthy um, murder ballad and just absolutely stunning, but um, quite quiet. And yeah, I've had, I've had like periods throughout the year where I will listen to that every day, which is really surprising for me. I'm not the world's biggest trad head. Um, I think it's a testament to the power of Lancome that they, I think they have almost single-handedly got me into the genre and I've spent a bit more time with it this year 
it's still slightly outside my wheelhouse but um sorry can I just ask you not to interrupt but have you yeah. heard the John Francis Finn album oh it's also tremendous it's yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, the same, I'm the same as you like it's not a genre I like I, I, I'm I'm a fucking ignorant fool when it comes to trad but like Lancome a gateway for me as well with the last album yeah, yeah and this yeah. album's incredible as well yeah for sure um, The Live Long Day was tremendous I think they really showcased um, what they can do with drone and like those huge instrumental risks they take and False Lancome has that, but it also has these kind of quieter moments that just offer a really amazing respite. It all just flows so tremendously um, together, just knits beautifully. It's also, like the aforementioned uh, record there, it's like it feels like relevant folk music. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like a, a museum piece. Um, most of these songs are like 300 years old. Um, the originals are just as good. And it just it feels like it's very, very... Uh, important and captures the essence of now. The essence of now is kind of grim, actually. <laughs> it turns out. I like. I kind of got into it around about July. Do you remember in July when it was like raining nonstop for about three weeks? Yeah, it was great. It was horrendous. <laughs> I was fucking in the depths of like training for um, a marathon. Uh, so Thinly veiled, I run a marathon <laughs> boast there. I wonder how long, wonder how long, how long did you have, Adam? 20 minutes, was it? Congratulations, by the way. It's a genuine achievement. Yeah. But I was doing it, like, I was, I was ramping up the amount of miles I was doing. So I was down, like, country roads in the absolute biblical, fucking darkest summer days I've ever experienced in my life, getting drenched, like, running past hedgerows, uh, hedgerows and, like, kind of wildlife, listening to this and just being like... I've never felt more, it's the, same, the most pretentious thing I've ever done, I've never felt more connected to Ireland. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let's move on. I was going to say, tremendous. you looked over the hedgerows and saw Lancome staring back at you. Well, do you know what? It was There was a few moments where it is very, there's an element of horror there, like folk horror to it, which is, which is tremendous. But yeah, there was a few unnerving moments. Um, very powerful stuff. I will stick with Ireland and I will stick with Trad because one of my honourable okay. mentions is the Scratches Mind Yourself. Also brilliant. It's, fantastic start to finish like it really does feel like like there's part of me that loves the immaturity of the scratch and the the lyrical content and the fact that it's like so fun and so knowing and so flippant like particularly with songs like The Punisher that song is incredible it's yeah. fantastic it's still brilliant Sig in the Breeze is another great one um, they and uh, uh, Pull Up Your Jocks like all, all of these <laughs> all of great. these like amazing songs like really really fantastic songs but this album just feels like they really just kind of, to quote Brian Lloyd, put childish things aside for, you know, whatever Sorry, it is. Uh, we, lo- we love Brian Lloyd and he used that quote well. It's not a Brian <laughs> Lloyd quote. To me, it's canon. And Brian, if you're listening, it, all due respect. <laughs> um, you know, I found that when they kind of did put that aside for whatever it is, eight, nine, ten songs, mm. um, it could be even less actually, I know some of them are quite long, um, at the at the desk of James Vincent McMorrow as well, which, full disclosure, I did not think that was going to work when I found it was going to happen. It was absolutely fantastic. So um, that's, uh, again, uh, honourable mention. J. Duhart, do you realise they're kind of a shoegazy band from Bristol? Kind of like shoegaze meets Oasis um, meets Dream Pop. It's very weird and I, I... just I love them so much it's a great great record and um, the aforementioned Tandem Felix there's yeah. a new sheriff in town I think start, like again it's all hits no misses yep Tappy, Tappy clearly spent a lot of time putting it together I have a lot of respect for him as a musician as a producer as a songwriter um, and what I about think, as a man <laughs> <laughs> less, less I plead the fifth <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, 
yeah, Tapley, if you're listening, absolutely fantastic. But my album of the year, and I did allude to it earlier, had to be this. Quit your job and have a dream. Take a pound of ecstasy. Blah, 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 blah. Fuck. Wash yourself in turpentine. Turpin time, god damn it. Blink-182, one more time. They came out the gate swinging. It's one of my favourite comeback albums for an artist that I have liked in my childhood. I felt like I, like I said, there was just an immediate magnetism for, for me with this one. The nostalgia of Anthem Part 3 and hearing that riff at the start, I audibly gasped when I heard and I knew it was I knew it was coming when you saw all the song titles like and the part three is like they're fucking doing it guys they're doing it um I think Mark sounds great I think Tom sounds great I think Travis's production is fantastic I would love the drums to be 2db quieter I was gonna say you're too heavy on the drums for you it's just absolutely insane how loud those drums are um (laughs) but I've grown to I've grown to love it as it is it's uh, it's crystallised in my mind as as fantastic and definitely the highlight album of my year. Not maybe I wouldn't say the best. Yeah, like you. It's but. important. It's a, in their story. It's important, and for the fans who've been there the whole way and yeah. have grown up and you know gone through every fucking different stage of formative years into adulthood, it, it means an awful lot. I think. Yeah, to me, it was very important, and that's why it's my album of the year. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so uh, approximately forty-five minutes in, we, <laughs> we get to the, felt like it. We get to the meat of the show, which is: uh, do we have do we have awards music at all? Do we have any kind um, of stings or anything? Or I, ha- I have a sting to drop when the award gets announced. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. But yeah, right. you're not going to hear that in the room. It's going to be in post for Fantastic. the list. But the listener will hear it. Everybody, okay, okay. You, listener, relax. Maybe Everything's going to be fine. Get can, off my back. Maybe, yeah. maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe you can jazz us up as an intro with something here. Okay, so listen, our first award for No Encore Awards 2023. This, of course, refers to the world of music. It's a music podcast, guys. Uh, we are going to do the Hero of the Year, and we have three to mention. So we're going to go to like a Formula One podium, go three, two, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because Craig threw in a third that I didn't realize. And so I love Formula One. <laughs> yeah, it all works. So uh, who, who, who gets our bronze medal for Hero of the Year, Craig? There's some heavy stuff coming up, so I just wanted to, you know, a bit of light into proceedings. Um, and who better than Brett Michaels? <laughs> Of poison. The husky, no, the husky. Brett oh. Michaels, the dog. And yes, also Brett Michaels of Poison. So this is a story, a heartwarming story from October uh, in which a six-year-old husky named after the Poison frontman uh, gave a life-saving blood donation to a kitten, which apparently is a thing that you can do. Wow. Yeah, like you can give, you can get a dog's blood and put it in a cat. You've done that, have you? I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> Man signed. Yeah, it sounds like the premise for a very, very horrible movie. Anyway, like the kitten had flea anemia. Um, It was in the Nebraska Humane Society along with Brett. And after the story made its way back to the human Brett Michaels, who's just turned 60, Bernie, he reached out. That's how he builds, hello, I'm the human Brett Michaels. (laughs) I'm here to see the dog Brett Michaels. (laughs) 
Would you like to go for a drink with me? He reached Human. out to the Nebraska Humane Society and has adopted the dog Aww. who was also in this, um, yeah. That's so, a nice story. I guess it was a pound. Every thorn has its rose, you could say. Oh, Beautiful. well, there we go. Beautiful. Michael said, I could, the, the human, I could not have been more touched and more honoured to adopt Brett Michaels the husky knowing that he gave blood to save the life of a kid. <laughs> I could not work fast enough to adopt this husky and extend the awesome quality of little Brett Jr.'s life. <laughs> Before we move on, I just have one very important question to ask. Yeah. How do you think he re- refers to the dog? Does he go, come on, me? Or come on, Brett <laughs> Michaels, me. the dog? Brett, or, well, yeah. on, Jr., I think he's going to go with Brett Jr. Canine version of myself. Um, <laughs> come on, also, canine version of myself. Joseph, the listener's concerned, I was allaying the lad's fears that I did a sense check of Brett Michaels and he has not been cancelled. Uh, actually, in fact, he was a big supporter of the Me Too movement as well. He <laughs> oh seems God. like a great guy. <laughs> 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 Rock of love and legend he's, himself. He's currently on tour um, doing a party grass tour of places like Wisconsin and, yeah, like small towns in Minnesota. I hope he brings the dog on tour. That'd be nice. Oh, that'd be tremendous yeah. okay that is a heartwarming story thank you also thank you. a heartwarming story uh, it's a sad story but there's heartwarming nature to it based on this clip you're going to hear this is our runner up for hero of the year it's a combination award and uh, let's have some audio please from the summer It genuinely gets me. Uh, that's Lewis Capaldi performing at Glastonbury during the summer. Uh, someone you loved his biggest song. And if you are unaware, uh, he has uh, a condition. He, he, he has Tourette's syndrome and he's spoken about this at length. You know, it's, it's, it was a huge part of the Netflix documentary that came out about him. And of course, in various interviews and such, he's a very forthright guy, as you're probably aware. That moment happened, you know, huge, massive crowd, like ridiculous crowd. Yeah. And, you know, he's struggling and he can't, he can't get through the song. And the crowd, instead of booing or you know, it would be pretty fucked up if they booed him. <laughs> but like they just united in song and sang it back to him. And like I, I'm the first person to, to criticize Glastonbury and Glastonbury crowds and the whole preciousness of it all. But I found this devastatingly beautiful and so sad, but so uplifting and compassionate and amazing. So the hero, the uh, runner up for the hero of the year is both Lewis Capaldi and the fans he rallied around A him. real Glasto moment. Uh, see, there oh, you yeah. go. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, there you go. Like, I mean, like, e- even the hashtag Glasto moment can't yeah. beat this. The ley lines, it, it, the magic, the druids, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> the backstage BBC banter, <laughs> yeah. which, we, which we love so much. The circus. Um, now, nah, this was real. This was yeah. a genuinely real moment. And it just, it, it kind of works perfectly. And the song being so maudlin works perfectly. And, uh, it was a, a, an incredible gesture of human faith in a year in which that has been lacking. And the fact that afterwards, while promoting his new album, he was supposed to go out on tour and he cancelled the tour, put up a very lengthy yeah. post explaining so. Uh, some credit to his label as well. He is on a major. They clearly have supported him. Yeah. That's an awful lot of money to leave on the table. It's your second album tour. That's not an easy decision to make. One, I feel like, may not have happened some, who knows, even several years ago. And probably doesn't happen all the time anyway because it is an industry that treats people not very, very well. Uh, in lots of cases Lewis Capaldi has always been a very upfront guy I've interviewed him a few times he is lovely what you see is what yeah. you get even if he was a prick it wouldn't matter it's a C 
serious issue. We wish him all the best. And I found this moment just really quite beautiful and obviously very, very sad at the same time. Here, here. Yeah, um, wishing him well. It's, you know, it's very tough what he's going through. I feel like if anyone is going through that kind of thing, to have a, such a kind of big personality and star in that kind of in that mainstream to be dealing with it so publicly is probably helping other people which is the only kind of silver lining do you know what I mean like it's he's handling it so well that was an amazing moment it's you know as Bono once said we get to carry each other wow so, yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> okay um, and someone who's been, who's been doing a lot of carrying I think of a cause yes. is our number one an unlikely number one a figure that we poked not Bono though. not Bono <laughs> it's, causing it's absolutely not Bono uh, we've poked fun at this man quite a lot but um, I think he shocked everybody when he turned up in public and started saying stuff like this. In the last three weeks, I've gone back and I've done some research and I'm teachable. I don't know enough, but I know enough that this is a genocide. And we are scared. We are watching it unfold. We have been taught to just be complicit to protect our careers, to protect our interests, and I'm not gonna do it anymore. I'm not afraid to speak the truth. You know, my daughter, my daughter said to me this morning, she said, she's eight years old, she said, Dad, when we protest today, when we march today, how are the people in Palestine going to know that we're showing up? Look at this. Look at this. The world is watching what we do right now in this moment of injustice. There is no side in humanity we lead with our hearts, we speak the truth, we shut down the propaganda, and we march forward. Free, free Palestine! And the winner of the No Encore Hero of the Year Award is Macklemore for speaking out uh, about the genocide that is occurring in Palestine. So that's him speaking uh, at a rally in Washington, D.C., on the 4th of November, he'd put out a statement in mid-October condemning uh, both the Hamas attacks on Israel and Israel's subsequent assault of Gaza, calling the latter an unfolding genocide. And, you know, who who saw this coming? Especially at a time when a lot of massive celebrities yeah. are saying fucking nothing or saying perhaps the wrong thing. Who knew? And I'm not saying this lightly, that Macklemore, turns out, is actually an extremely sound and eloquent and person. In fact... The speech is so passionate and so right on, yeah. and we agree with every word, that I'm willing to forgive thee, my precocious daughter made a big statement about the world, which he threw in there. That was there. <laughs> That's very big of you. It's, yeah, it knocked me for six when I first heard it. Um, and it is because it's in such stark contrast, as you say, with the relative silence from some absolutely gigantic stars at the moment. Or the selective, you know, like, you know, yes. has Bono said anything about Palestine? I know he has about Israel, so I don't know. I don't know. There's been a lot of very kind of vanilla, safe, we all want peace, you know, just yeah. stuff that really doesn't do anything to further the conversation there in was, a proactive way. There was an open letter going around as well, and it was like, it was so, it was so nothing, do you know what I mean? It was like completely substanceless, yeah. and I was very, very disappointed to see it, the volume of artists, like big artists who had signed it as what I 
personally felt like was a bit of a get out of jail free clause yeah, to yeah, just yeah. like not say anything else. Oh, I've done this thing. They're terrified. Like, I mean, if you look at like Lancome kicked off a bill um, for the pro-Palestine stance in Germany, I believe. Unapologetically um, as well. Oh, 100%. Uh, dead right. Um, yeah. A dead right of the, on them. Sorry, yeah, not, yeah, exactly. not, not confused. Not dead right of the festival. <laughs> Fuck the festival. Um, and then in film, you know, like Melissa Barrera, who is the star of the, the Re- Rejuvenated Scream franchise, was oh, fired yeah. from that movie yeah. for, for pro-Palestine anti-Israel post. So mm-hmm. entertainers are scared. And I think for someone like Michael Moore to be like, nope, here I am, and I will continue to beat this drum and be vocal and public about it is uh, no one, nobody saw him admirable yeah. coming. So yeah, um, yeah, Irish artists have actually been really good uh, on the know, contrary, almost you know, totally, to the rule. Totally, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, I suppose Irish people in general. So something to be proud of, I suppose. And Michael Moore, of course. One of us. Right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, he did say famously. Yeah, famously. He, he did say uh, proud to be a Haggerty yeah. on the oh, amazing Jesus song yeah, yeah. Irish Celebration, which we all oh, love, and we'll all be blaring on the seventeenth of March, guys. Beautiful. Now, uh, from hero to villain, quite literally, it's the award for No Encore's villain of the year. Uh, let's see. We've got a couple of. We got a couple here. Uh, yeah, we got some potential. Let's talk. H- how um, about you really quickly mention the third one because it's grim. Oh, yeah, hold on. Which which is the third one? Jan Wenner. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, he wanted to include Jan Wenner. <laughs> I did. It's all I'm, I've been talking about. So, if you're not familiar with um, Wenner, he is the founder of Rolling Stone. He's got a new book coming out, which is called The Masters. It's, it's probably actually out by now. I haven't read it. It's him in conversation with, like, you know, John Lennon. It's an old interview. Um, Bob Dylan, um, Bono, Pete Townsend, Bruce Springsteen, a very select few, very white um, kind of male rock star thing, which he's kind of canonized as like the guys who know about rock music. Uh, Because of course, you know, white men invented the genre. Of course they didn't. But anyway, he was doing some press in relation to the book and he was asked quite pointedly, I think it was the New York Times, like why it's all like old white blokes that he's kind of mates with for one dollar name a woman basically yeah yeah pretty much and his quotes around it as he tried to explain himself he also initially started off by pretty much being like i know this is going to get me in trouble and i probably shouldn't say it um where you're kind of like okay then don't say it so he said in relation to no black or female musicians making into the book okay to quote it's not that they're inarticulate Stop talking at that Absolutely point. Absolutely <laughs> sure. Fuck oh, me. Turn the mics Fuck off. Like. me. Although, go have a deep conversation with Grace Slick or Janis Joplin. Please be my guest. You know, Joni was not a philosopher of rock and roll. She didn't, in my mind, meet that test. Jesus Christ. He said, of black artists, you know, Stevie Wonder, genius, right? I suppose when you use a word as broad as masters, the fault is using that word. Maybe Marvin Gaye or Curtis Mayfield. I mean, they just didn't articulate at that level. Yikes. My skin is crawling. You know it's bad when you're kicked off the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame board (laughs) instantly. (laughs) They're like, this is a bad look for our, you know, dusty old board. And he makes uh, the third spot on our podium for Villain of the Year. Fuck that guy. Number two... (laughs) Uh, Number two is a broader category. Now, I ranted about this uh, at length last last time on the show. I won't do so again. Go back to that one if you want to hear me and Fanula Jones having a row about end-of-year lists and music journalism. But what I have done, I'm going to allow Craig to have his say. Uh, I've got a clip. I've got a clip from Pitchfork's podcast in which they discuss 
the very thing of if you missed the last episode, listener, uh, SZA got album of the year for an album that came out in 2022. Let's hear how <laughs> let's hear how Pitchfork justified their selections. All right, well, let's talk about dun 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 our album of the year. Jeremy's going to have an aneurysm on the practicalities and logistics of this. It's not that I'm not going to have. It. I'm over it now. It's just it's hard for my like slightly OCD brain to reconcile a 2022 album on a 2023 list. And I'm sure I speak for a lot of people. So for those people, I do want to say <laughs> it's possible to get over it. It's just like a Grammy window. It's just like the Oscars window. The like TLDR here is that anything that was released after our lists were published is eligible for the next year's list. Every once in a while, Pooja will be like, what's your album of the year? Literally every like four weeks yeah, throughout the year. What's your album of the year? I'm like, I, you know, I, like when the Billy Woods album came out, I was like, oh, you know, that's up there. But we always sort of, at the end of every conversation, it's like, uh, does it compare to SZA? And I'm like, I oh, don't know, not really. Like, that was sort of the thing that's been hanging over this whole year is that, like, SZA's been in the pole position the entire year. Mm-hmm. Like, what was going to take it out? And mm-hmm. we were all just sort of like... The density of this album, she does, like, a million different things. Like, sonically, in the formats of her song, in the songwriting... In the way that she is both like sharp and cutting and vindictive and extremely funny and extremely like, fuck all y'all, I'm the best. She does it all so quickly and with the kind of like form and skill that you have to be like, wait, did she just say that? Oh, she's but like, then, she's so edited. And like, remember we waited for this album? Remember like, yeah. you know, a year ago, people were like, where's the SZA album? Like it's been, it's taken too long. And like. She was bottling it all up and then is now just like hosing us with it. So I have to ask. I have to ask. What, what, I'll tell you who wrote it. What's your favorite part? Is it the, look, the TLDR on this. The TLDR broke me. Okay, that's Pitchwork discussing their rationale and why a album from 2022 made it. And now people came at me hard after that episode, but they were like, uh, you're being super pedantic. Who cares? I care. But I've said my piece. Craig yeah, Fitzpatrick. I want to compliment you, Dave. Thanks, man. For showing some restraint on the FJ episode. Where you screaming. didn't reveal your source. Where I agreed with you. I was the uh, person. I said I got a mysterious <laughs> yeah, text yeah. message. Yeah. Um, you kept the surprise, even though it made it seem like you made up that message. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. Up the top is just a Dave <laughs> Hanready sentence. No, that, that message came through yeah. from, from, from a boy. Yeah. So I'm calling FJ out because she's much like she called out Richard. Chambers, now she is being called out. You can't defend this. It's like, oh, up isn't down anymore. It's 2023. All right. Scissor's album came out in 2022. Under no circumstances can that be awarded album of the year. Mm-hmm. And I don't care how you get around it. I don't, I don't care. It's a Grammy's how, window. It's an Oscars window. No, it isn't. No, no. If you're titling it of the year, then I'm sorry. You're going to have to leave it out. Listen, they spend their lives revising lists and ratings that they previously gave stuff. So if push comes to shove and they're like sticking it up on the website, like in their list section, put it into the 2022 list. Find a spot for it there. Knock something out. It's not a 2023 record. Sick of it. Okay, listen, like I say, if you want more on that rant, you probably don't. But if you do, go back to the last episode of the show. Uh, but our, our actual villain of the year, taking the number one, the coveted number one spot, who wants a rambling onstage apology? I know I do. When your intentions and your actions don't align. So, because some of my actions 
have hurt some people. I apologize to those people and I pledge to do better moving forward. Yeah, give it up for the old apology. So, but in, but I think it's also important that I express my intentions so everybody knows that there is no ill will coming from me. You see, as an artist, I want to create an environment for myself to perform where not everything that I do is taken literally. Like, for example, I'm on stage right now, but I don't do this in my normal life. I don't go around singing my songs and apologizing. <laughs> I do, obviously. And then, um, but I've kind of performed exaggerated versions of myself on other stages, be it in print or in, on podcasts. Um, in an often misguided attempt at fulfilling the kind of character role of the 21st century rock star. So, it's complicated. <laughs> and, it's, listen, this might be cheesy, right? But sometimes playing pretend is the only way you can truly find out who you are. And you could probably also say that men would rather do offensive impressions for attention and then go to therapy. Ho, 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 ho. He's just so charmingly befuddled. And shout out to the woman that clip you just shouted out, come town at one point, <laughs> referencing <laughs> our villain of the year, Matty Healy, who um, rather made his bed back in February when he appeared on the Adam Friedland show. We discussed that in depth back on the show. Go back and listen to it from February. Search yeah. the archive. Uh, but, you know, lots of bad things happened on that episode and Matty Healy was party to some of them and just sitting there for other parts of it as well. Uh, from there, he he continued to embrace his problematic male pop star persona via the 1975's elaborate oh-so-meta stage show and occasional on-stage apologies like the one that you have just heard. Offended parties along the way include Ice Spice, who seemed more bemused than anything, Rina Sawayama, who called Maddie Healy out on stage on more than one occasion, but honestly, I find it hard to ascertain the level of seriousness there. I don't quite know what the real story is, but if you take her at face value and the 1975 stands who felt betrayed by their previously highly unproblematic hero, uh, he got himself in a spot of bother. But I think he was hardly dented by any of it, really, was he? What do you think? Um, I think that, unfortunately, I'm going to have to admit that um, his band were my most listened to artist of the year. <laughs> I felt so sick when I fucking looked at the spot of my It's just, my God... Um, so he you're has, the villain he of came, the year. He came at Julian Casablancas. That was very funny. He said, because <sighs> uh, they were slagging off Julian Casablancas's uh, DM slide of some some lady he saw on Instagram, and Maddy Healy went, get that man a fucking fedora, which, which I found <laughs> that very funny. That was good. That's but, very funny, but, yeah. But after, after the... Um, the incident on stage, Julian had his opinions on like this is kind of white savior stuff of like, oh, you're going to sp spread liberal values. Uh, you're you know pr probably kind of well intentioned, but you're not thinking it through. And he came at him again, which I didn't love. But it did prompt my favorite tweet of the year, which is from Grace underscore Russo. Um, Matty Healy thinks he's Alex Turner. Alex Turner thinks he's Julian Casablancas. Julian Casablancas thinks he's Neo from The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Um, Matty Healy's an absolute doofus. Like, really is just... The Lucy Dacus thing was probably the nadir in terms of pure cringe where he tweeted... He, he, he got back on X, formerly Twitter... Um, for about a week and he tweeted out, one of the things he tweeted out was a joke where he said, I was talking 
to Lucy Dacus and I told her that Boy Genius inspired me and George to start a band called Girl slur like a slur word an or word there right and he said uh, yeah we don't talk that much and she tweeted back to him saying we don't talk at all (laughs) (laughs) he he tweeted back something like well this never goes well deleted his account (laughs) he's such a fucking idiot and then a day later a weird campaign video emerged which we now have a clip of where he used the absolute cringe to again seek redemption as he promoted his ongoing tour. Here in the heart of America, we know that redemption is more than just a word. It's a promise we make to ourselves and to each other. Our nation's story is one of second chances, of forging a path forward even in the face of mistakes. It's about rebuilding what's broken, healing what's wounded, and coming together to create something stronger than before. I believe in an America where redemption is more than a distant dream. It's a reality that we create every day, hand in hand. Join us in this journey towards a better tomorrow. We can write a new chapter in America's history. Together, here, on the Still At Their Very Best Talk. You know that meme, your your unemployed friend on a Tuesday? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, absolutely, like frame that. You know, putting that video what, together. What's he at? Like, what is the angle? Selling tickets, which is what he does. So it's just Still. pure trolling. Of course it is. Yeah. It's I, all, and, and I'm sorry, and also to bring it back as well to that earlier clip where he wraps up the punchline, which made me think the entire time I was like, this guy would be one of the worst stand up comedians of all time. But then I realized, oh no, wait, that means that, that just means he'd be successful. Yeah, 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 yeah. He'd have a Netflix special, no problem. When he wrapped up that bit with, oh, you know, I'd rather do bad impressions on a podcast than go to men going to therapy. I'm like, we're that joke. We're we're, we're done with this joke, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'll say this is someone who's been in therapy for fucking twenty years, and I'm not. You know, I'm one of millions. Like, it, it's not even that I find it offensive. It's just fucking lame. Yeah. And it's also it's such a like it's it's such a cover your own arse skirting way of ah he turned into a gag, nah it doesn't work. I mean I've seen people say that he's in the loser corner for the year because you know some fans have kind of moved on blah blah blah, blah. but like to my knowledge the tours are still selling quite well and also yeah, they're top fine. of your Spotify rap. So I have to ask, are you bumping one album or song in particular? So I would say about you I think was the top song. Beautiful which is song. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? I can't deny I love their production. They, We've talked about this before. All their reference points and stuff they're into musically is stuff I'm going into. Have so you it's like seen this, them live yet? I've never seen them live. I've seen them live no. like three times. And you had they, a kind of they are a nice. Damascus yeah. moment really yeah, and like, I, I, at the time. We yeah. were at that same gig. It was the one in the three arena, right? It's happened twice in the three arena. The second one, which was just before like, day, <laughs> like days before, Yeah, days before. I was kind of over it by the second time I saw them. But I will say the first time was fucking unreal. And I didn't see the tour that they were doing, which was the kind of on stage deconstruction thing in Majig, oh, which okay. apparently is amazing. Like, I mean, again, for all, and he is a Burke, he does irritate us, but I mean, it's annoyingly backed up by a lot of the songs in the live show. Like, definitely mm. worth seeing live. Anyway, look, listen, okay. fuck that. Right? We can't praise this guy. That's the villain of the year. Villain of the year. Why don't year. we move on to a similar ish award? Uh, he could have qualified here, but we'd, we'd kept him off it. This is the mayor, short for nightmare, everybody, slash PR disaster of the year award. So, I mean, we got a few a few candidates here. Yeah. So, we'll speed through a couple. Uh, Adam, can we have the trailer for a television show that emerged across the summer? And it didn't do very well. 
You're the American dream. Rags to riches. Trailers to mansions. You are fucking Jocelyn. Just be you. Easy. I'll just do that. I'm telling you right now, these people in here are gauging whether or not you still got it. I just wonder about the strippers. They're kind of outfemming her with the flips and the dips and the... You're too distracted. Way to block out all the noise. I'm sorry, who are you? I'll sing. Yeah, it's HBO's The Idol, as headed up by The Weeknd, who is also in the show. And I still haven't watched the show, but I hear it's horrendous. I will get around to it at a more, at a more curiosity. But you can even hear in the trailer, man, like for a guy who has such, you know, titanic presence in his songs, he's got no presence as an actor. He's a charisma vacuum, I think it's fair to say. We've had this discussion before about like around his Super Bowl performance where I maintain that he doesn't really have it at a kind of elite level as a performer. Like obviously, musically, love a huge amount of his stuff, massively talented. But when you kind of get into the character of the guy and the... It's played out for a start. It's played out. So yeah. this show, this is a television show that ran on HBO, supposed to be their big new hit sexy thing. Uh, it tells the story of the titular idol, a pop idol, Jocelyn, played by Lily Rose Depp. And it's about the insidious nature of how women are commodified and sexualized by the music industry. And apparently the original vision for this, which was headed up by Amy Simetz, an actress and director... Uh, was supposed to be very much from a female perspective and very much kind of uh, satirizing that and also kind of gleaning off of it. But apparently along the way, uh, HBO went, this isn't hot enough. Uh, the weekend allegedly said this isn't hot enough and it all got changed. Amy Slimetz got fired. Sam fucking Levinson of Euphoria fame came in. They had already spent about 60 million or something, maybe even more, and shot, I believe, the bulk of a season, according to there's all kinds of leaks. The, this thing redefined a disastrous production. It finally got remade with a much more male gazy perspective. Yeah, let's do all the things we're criticizing mm. in the show. Why not? And there's like some, there's some weekend dialogue that went viral, which I am mercifully sparing you from. Uh, I believe it ended one episode early. Uh, I watched a video essay about it. It sounds boring and terrible. It was a fucking disaster. That's the idol, everybody. Uh, Real quick, Electric Picnic got themselves into a little bit of bother, but not really, because they still sold all their tickets, made a ton of money, and are coming back next year. It'll be fine. But there was a thing where, like, they had a blurred headliner on the poster, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, well, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Blur? Is it going to be Blink-182? Is it going to be Ava Max? And in the end, it was the script, and everyone went mental, which was kind of unfair, because, you know, the script mm-hmm. deserves some compassion due to a tragedy that occurred when, yeah. when Mark Sheehan passed away suddenly in April, and I feel like everyone, myself included briefly, just forgot about that. And we all kind of had a bit of a laugh at the script. But of course, the script in the end played to a massive crowd. You know, fair play to them for getting up there. Yeah. I think it just speaks to people's kind of entitlement and expectations and Picnic wouldn't care one way or the other. But it was a strange strategy. I'm guessing, I'm guessing... I think your working. theory's right on this. Yeah. My theory is that the script would have been booked for it. Then yeah. that happened. And the organizers were like, listen, we won't unbook you unless you want us to. And maybe the script were like, let's see where oh. we're at closer to the time. 
and we'll do it if we feel like we can do it. This is this is speculation. I don't know that this is the case. And if that's the case, maybe they were like, well, how about we just blur you out in the poster? They just shouldn't have put them on the poster. Yeah, I, I know. think but then people of... are like, we don't have another headliner. What's happening? Yeah, it was a bit messy. But again, it doesn't matter because Picnic is still a fucking juggernaut. But also, can we just say that like the blurred out logo wasn't the script no, logo? No, so like, this might not even actually apply. It was. In, I remember like, it was a Friday in the office, and I'd say. F- Five of us were all gathered around the thing, including the head of design. Trying to figure our, it out. Yeah. And he, he was like, I can decipher this. I can I think this of a, a program. Apex Twin. Yeah, Apex yeah, yeah. Twin. Apex, it does look like looks the Apex like, Twin yeah. logo. Yeah. And it was being touted like that. There was like some fucking ridiculous but carry nobody on. ever like nobody ever came out to clarify one way or the other. So we're, we're like, all we can do is speculate. Yeah. So the it's only just man, a strange thing. The only man that knows. Melvin Ben. Is Melvin Ben. We want you on the show. That's the goal for 2024. Yeah. Um, 2024, though, Craig, our runner-up uh, in the Nightmare of the Year slash PR disaster, they've definitely, they're leaning into this controversy to some extent, which we'll explain in a second, but tell me and tell us all, remind us all, what happened to Wild Youth when they took on the Eurovision? Um, they took on the Jesus Eurovision. <laughs> it's trash fire, I love it. I feel real bad for them. And lost, I guess. They did, right? yeah. It was just a... Litany of horrors, really, wasn't it? In terms of the One PR the around other, yeah. it, yeah. Um, like, I mean, weight of a kind of nation's hopes on them. I can't. I, I feel like it's. I feel bad for them because they were clearly into it. They approached it in the right spirit. They did not do well whatsoever. The performance wasn't great. Song wasn't great. No, song wasn't, wasn't great. It just wasn't what you're looking for in Eurovision. It was another just poor Irish showing. You know what it sounded like? It sounded like that U2 Martin Garrick song for Euro 2020, was it? Oh, yeah, Where I they're on that? the beach yeah, in the video. Yeah, yeah. It just had that kind of like around. plastic anthemic feel to it. Yeah, sanitized. Totally sanitized. Yeah. But they went to the Eurovision and it was a disaster yeah. from several points of view. The Eurovision hardcore fans did not like them yeah. and did, and, and made that known on Twitter, as they do. But then, of course, there was the whole thing where they fired the creative director beforehand because of transgender-related comments that person had made on Twitter. Yeah. It is a good move. Good move, which immediately they got hate for. Yeah, they know, got, they got the right yeah. kind of hate. But yeah. They got for piled the on, they got piled on by the psychopaths, including J.K. Rowling, of all people. Of course. Oh, yeah, so surreal. And so, naturally enough, when Wild Youth go out there and the front man in kind of an ill-fitting suit and an ill-fitting performance to match and they get laughed off the stage, that unfortunately just gave the fucking transphobes all the ammunition they needed. And Wild Youth were humiliated, home they come. Now listen, I'm, like you might not be a fan of their music, that's fine. I have a soft spot for the guys. I've dealt with them a few times. Myself and yourself go back a ways with Ed. Yeah. They're nice guy. guys. Like, from, from my experience with them. living. Yeah, and, like, they genuinely wanted to do this, but it blew up in every single possible conceivable way. I should say, though, as I alluded to, their frontman is entering, and I hope this goes better for him. He's doing Dancing with the Stars Ireland in January, so... Which, see, this is the thing, right? It, it was a different while you line up for the Eurovision. Because Connor Dunhue isn't normally the singer, and he sang at the Eurovision, and I think that's for I think that arguably is the biggest mistake, right? Aside from the song being bad, because I think we can, I yeah. think we can I all mean, agree the song was bad, right? It was, yeah, just, and it like was you can no argue use, as well, you know? Like, you know, I'm not going to be left let them off the hook here. I know they wanted to do it, but it was definitely like you could you could easily say, well, look, this is a cynical career move because it kind of was. Yeah, it's it's a, also a strange kind of move because you're very much. 
you're getting pigeonholed into a certain type of act. I mean, you could say the same of going on Dancing with Stars. Like it's, it is a cynical move. It's you're honing in on one particular audience. I don't know. It just seems we're weird trying to be them. more entertainers. Maybe we're trying to like set something else up. I don't know. It's the Ricky Wilson thing of I'm going on the Voice. I'm going to be a judge. We're pop now. We're just pure. You know. Not that they were. They're always, Kaiser's <laughs> yeah, are always yeah. pop. Anyway, listen, listen, listen. Something different, though. A different, you know, an unpredictable riot, you could say, occurred on stage for our number one. This is our PR disaster slash mayor of the year. I want to take you back to a, to a big weekend sponsored by a radio station. Radio One being that station. And there's a couple of, couple of rocking men on stage. They're not happy with the reception that they're getting. Well, uh, I guess I should introduce ourselves, seeing as uh, no one actually knows who we are. We're called Royal Blood, and this is uh, rock music. Who likes rock music? Nine people. Brilliant. This is Ben Thatcher. He plays drums. Everybody say hi to Ben, please. We're having to clap ourselves, because that was so pathetic. Well done, Ben. Can you clap for us? Can you clap? You're busy. Can you clap? It's busy. Yes, even he's clapping. What does that say about you? Yeah, I must say, I do love that kind of Rocky Horror, Sweet Transvestite-esque, like, slam on the... Here's the guitar riff and the, and the cymbal smash. That's Royal Blood. Uh, That's rock and roll, Dave. <laughs> That's what Royal Youth needed, you know? A bit of attitude, a bit of vim and vigor. Yeah, it wasn't London, but they were not appreciated, it should be said. I think they were sandwiched in between sets from Lewis Capaldi and Niall Horan, which would explain the demographic perhaps not being too into them. Craig, is any of that justified and or funny? Uh, just get on with your set. Like you're playing it, at a festival. It was it's the like end of the set, thing. I think. So, okay, yeah. yeah, this is the thing. You don't have the wider context of like what they're up against. I mean, you know, it's clearly kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's deadpan. It's fine. It's a bit obnoxious. I will say nine people brilliant is pretty funny, but then he goes a bit too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And but I don't mean too far his... for a rock and roller. It's just like... You, he, you should know where to stop kind of thing. He, he gets the tone wrong, I think. Yeah, but, you know, people have done much worse things on a stage. I mean, re- they really did get their comeuppance when they were hauled in front of Greg James. I've got audio. Oh, my God. In fact, God, I've got a couple felt... of glasses of audio. A little bit lengthy, but I think it's worth hearing. Let's have the first one, which this is... is um, pathetic. Them being, yeah, hauled, as you say, in front of Greg James on Radio 1, pretty much like the Monday morning, because this went massive on Twitter. This was like Jamie Carragher being dragged onto Sky, <laughs> Sky News. News. Do you remember that? And he spat After on someone's daughter. When he spat through his car window into another car window, which was genuinely impressive, impressive by yeah. the way. And then he was brought on to Sky News and like the host was like, uh, they made him watch the footage back <laughs> like it was Monday Night Football. And, and, and he was analyzing it and then on the big screen. And then she goes, well, Jamie, I'm, I'm disgusted, <laughs> appalled, sickened. What do you have to say? And he's just like, well, yeah, it's pretty terrible, isn't it? So that's kind of what happened to Royal Blood. So here they are in the Greg James Chamber of Horrors. You've had a shocker there, lads. Yeah, that really escalated. Yeah, so... Um... What's going on in your heads? Mike, where are you? I'm uh, amazed, honestly, at how that escalated to that kind of size. I think, um, <clears throat> you know, walking off from that show, um, I felt I was being entertaining in a way of trying to make light of the situation perhaps I was in a, doing a performance where I felt a little bit out of place. Mm. Um I expected to be sort of um, a little bit bemused and maybe confuse a few people, but not to that kind of scale. 
um, yeah, pretty wild. It was a it was a moment of madness that has gone out of control, I think. And uh, uh, we actually love love the gig. We love playing music, and we love um, yeah doing doing what we do. So uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a a mad week to come out of this. So yeah, that's uh, uh, Mike Kerr and Ben Thatcher. Madness. Absolute madness. <laughs> it was just a moment of madness. Leave me alone. Yeah, you know? it's a bit, You're a bit sarcastic on stage. Like, my God. Yeah, I know. Like, it's, it's outrageous. Yeah. The tone as well of Greg James is just great. It was like it's a great. six or seven minute uh, segment. And I've cut another part of it because I just, I want, again, I, I think that guys deserve a bit of a wider context. So let's just, let's just have a second round of them being, uh, you know, hauled, uh, as we say, into court. So here we go. <laughs> you feel like you were, like it started funny and then you were like, oh, I'm just going to keep going. And did you think, have you looked, have you watched it back? Yeah, I have. Yeah. And I think it, when I'm in that zone, I, I, there's a part of my personality which only exists on stage. It really, I can't find any other context in which I'm that energized. I, I feel like I look different when I'm on stage. Like off stage, I'm very quiet and quite sort of awkward. Whereas on stage, I sort of, I don't know, it's part of me. Mm. That's why I love it, because there's an energy to it. Um, and it's, I guess it's very easy to get sort of swept up in that energy. And honestly, it's quite fun. And like, it doesn't, I don't mean any offence. Like my, my intention is never to kind of alienate any, anyone or kind of push anyone away. From where I was watching, the crowd... I thought they were into it. And if you watch it back, we're, the crowd are cheering. We're very accustomed to playing to audiences who don't know who we are. That's right. not the first time we've walked out. That was actually our 599th show. Uh -huh. So we nearly got to 600. It was nearly a clean game until right at the end. But is, is 600 without being cancelled the dream? <laughs> it, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just to be clear, you did play the entire set. Mike yeah. walks out the out the pub like that. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I did anyway. Yeah. It's not unusual. It's just you know, he it was it was just stupid. It was the the main rule that you've broken here is that every day on Twitter there is a main character, and the rule of life is try and avoid being the main character on Twitter for the day, and you've blown it. You were the main character for the day, but Han, how did it feel? I mean, I don't. I'm not on social media, so I was just sort of getting like graphs sent through the post um it wasn't nice there was i mean you can't i can't lie about it it was it's not nice to see things like that there, there are some funny things that go up but the the most of it is is pretty nasty but that's another thing that's a total different thing to talk about i think mm. yeah how we treat each other online is a sort of at length yeah. conversation but, um it got really serious there at the end and i should say as well you know uh as someone who was once the main character on twitter he's correct it isn't fun yeah so there you go. I think that they, I, I think they explained themselves pretty well. They didn't apologise. No, they doubled. We spoke. But, we spoke about this in the Peter McGann episode. Yeah, it was like a really soft doubling down. But the question is, should they have to? I don't think that they should. No, Craig. No, one hundred percent not. They should have like really doubled down. Do you know what I mean? They should have Smashed gone. Greg James mask in the face off. with a guitar. Yeah, yeah, I think make it their whole shtick now. Because you know, times are tough for rock bands. You need an angle. You need a gimmick. They just passed up a golden opportunity there to be like proper heels. I think I I was saying off mic there. I like when oh, he yeah. when he started uh, like saying you know yeah I watched it back. I was really hoping to just go yeah nailed it, <laughs> nailed it just yeah, really got that right you know. Um, <laughs> sure yeah, I've seen Royal Blood before. They are Roy. They are a bit nettly. You know they are a bit like that on stage. 
Um, they blow the roof off every it, time. I like that first album. I really like the first album, but I will say, like, yeah, have a, have a little bit of fun. Let them have their fun, like, you know what I mean. And also, they played the full set. Like, it wasn't like they stormed off stage yeah, or something. That was kind like, of sold. That does, way. Yeah. People were like, "This is ridiculous." It was like, you know, the context. I but. feel like audiences, and actually, people in the crowd probably didn't care either. But like, audience are very entitled, and then they feel like well, you should kind of need to be subservient to me and feel like it's the best day You're of your life. You're a living jukebox and, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. At a lot this of festival the, I've gone to. A lot of the biggest gigs now are like that and there is that level of um what's the word uh the like a parasocial relationship with yeah. the artist like you look at taylor swift you look at um acts like sabrina carpenter selena gomez like uh, all uh, justin bieber as well like all of these people have had serious trouble with fans because of the parasocial nature of it mm. like i think it's like the complete opposite side of the spectrum here for royal blood because re- realistically they're playing to a crowd where probably are a handful of people who like Royal Blood and they're there for them but they're just like they're I don't know they're having a laugh like yeah, yeah. so they are Royal Blood or PR disaster of the year although it probably didn't bad publicity good publicity it probably worked out uh, real quick we're going to speed through this next one um, the Pleasant Surprises Award yeah, the uh, one I said we could possibly cut at the start. I do. The reason we're going to speak through it is because we're going to just give praise and positivity to the little Yachty record. I think yeah. we, it was better than we thought it was going to be. Let's start here. Uh, Foo Fighters deserve some credit for coming back post the death of Taylor Hawkins with a very emotional album. album. And, and a good record. Yeah. It's a good we're album. It's their first good one in like over a decade. Mm. Um, very, very, very happy for them and um, wishing them all the best and... You know, it's Dave Grohl's had it has had it's the second occurrence now that this has happened to Dave Grohl. It's very yeah. very sad, and he near like it it came so close to happening early in the Foo Fighters career when Taylor joined and he had overdosed on a tour. And you know, it's just really sad that his like we, I I suppose the fans kind of maybe had thought that we were all past this and this was never going to happen that they were going to live forever. And it's just really really sad. But power to them for coming back, and it's a really. I think it was a really important thing for them to do. Yeah. Uh, number one in the pleasant surprise of the year department, and this is only because I wouldn't have gone near this record, only I had to review it for the radio, and I was like, this is actually really fucking good, and it's also someone who's been through a, a serious tumultuous time in her life and deserves to be praised you know, for coming through that, but also for making an excellent record alongside Rick Rubin. It is Kesha. Kesha made a great fucking album in 2023 and I guess she's our pleasant surprise of the year. So congratulations to her, to Foo Fighters and to Lil Yachty for taking the coveted inaugural No Encore Pleasant Surprise of the Year Award. (laughs) With with the Kesha thing, do you think we're going to get a pleasant surprise next year and, you know, someone else who's been through the industry ringer being Sky Ferreira? I've got my tickets for her show in March. Oh, yeah. Did you get tickets? I'm, I'm yeah. surprised that gig even goes ahead. Oh. I'm waiting until like week of type thing. Oh, and also, I don't think it's going to be great. We lo- we love Sky Ferreira on we this do. podcast. We, we are do. a very pro Sky Ferreira podcast. I desperately hope that the album is good. I desperately hope that the gigs are great. And I desperately hope that she's living a good life. Because she's, yeah, someone who's been totally fucked over as well. Um, okay, speaking of getting fucked over, it's the Disappointment of the Year Award. <laughs> and I think... Uh, we got to start with with us being fucked over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had our hearts messed with. And as a matter of fact, and this actually is a rare occasion, Craig, mm-hmm. where something that happened in 2022 carrying over into 2023 is applicable. So this man <laughs> broke our hearts. Well, let's talk about some live action that went down of an Irish nature this week, which actually, no, sorry. The first thing we should talk about is that Pusha T has ruined the entire month of May. Famously. Yeah. By once again cancelling his Irish show at the last minute. Who saw this coming? like him, would it? Who Never. saw this coming? Do you know why? Same excuse. Production issues. The exact same. This Copy and paste. <laughs> this is a man. <laughs> from the, 
this is a man who gets on stage generally from what I've seen with a backing track yes and just some basic visuals yes and does some rapping and what did he quote as the reason for his we, cancellation we can't bring you the wonderful production tour that we've envisioned in our heads and we have to go back to the drawing board or something what's and he doing like what kind of like the push tease the wall I mean like, like what, what kind of <laughs> insane high concept <laughs> majesty are we going to get it's like and meanwhile so he's he's basically shifted the european tour mm-hmm. um and added a bunch uh, added some dates and changed some dates and in the melee ireland is just gone <laughs> and the ticketmaster email has gone out offering the refund because there's no rescheduled date the man isn't coming he hates me <laughs> specifically Exclu- yeah exclusive view it's too want- good to be true I knew it it was same as Christmas it was just like because again I was supposed to go with Richard like Richard Chambers and he was like he messaged me there on Monday being like one week today buddy and I'm like yeah and I, and I was weirdly unhyped because I just mm-hmm. didn't because you knew <laughs> did, you, I, yeah, did you know Dave I got a text I got I got a text about, I got no no <laughs> I got a text about, not coming babe, can't, can't babe. Make it, babe I got a text yeah. about 10 or 15 minutes before push TNN so you know an insider did in fact give me a heads up mm-hmm. and it just said Pusha T has cancelled. <laughs> and I literally just, I just burst out laughing. I was just like, of course. What did, do you want to quote the, the voice note that you sent me about the Dublin date? What did I say again? You said Dublin, absolutely yeeted from the schedule. <laughs> yeeted into oblivion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, listen, I just, I feel terrible because I desperately wanted to see him. <laughs> and now it's just become this horrible, fool me once, you know. So yeah, uh, shout out to oh, Hugh Carr there who was uh, uh, was there with us. Uh, that's what I had to say about Pusha T cancelling again and never coming back to Ireland apparently. Craig, how did you feel when the news came through? I mean, better to get a message saying Pusha T has cancelled as opposed to is cancelled, I suppose. Yeah, um, which that's is, fair. Which is good. Yeah, and I was I was by the time the second uh, second round happened, I was almost waiting for it. Um, I don't understand what was going on behind the scenes. Just couldn't be arsed. Sold out the show, moved to a bigger venue. I don't know what the problem is. Yeah, there's something strange going Forgot on the there. HDMI cable, maybe I don't know. Like it's basic, vi- like like Dave said, he's right. Really it's basic bones, visuals. Yeah. It's a mic. It's a DJ. It's also all it needs to be because he's so good. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's going to be insane. And the visuals are probably really good. Like you know, it's, it's, and these things are like speaking from someone who has. It, you know, been involved in the process of creating a show for an artist before. It's not like for that, it's so easy. You have no idea. The costs are so low. Yeah, he so. just needs to turn up. That's it. Give him a mic. That's all we need. King Push no more? Are we really, are we? He's down to Prince Push. I was just yeah. going to say Prince Devon's Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Surf. You know, the know. clips <laughs> are like booked in for Primvera next year. I mean, it's good. He look. has his brother good to look. drag him along. Yeah. You know, good look. That's all. I've so done. yeah, um, speaking of festivals, though, <laughs> and, and big festivals that people flock to, I believe you've selected our next disappointment of the year, our runner-up. Yeah, I wasn't disappointed. Um, I was just kind of watching the spectacle unfold. Um, it had everything. It was very Spinal Tap. Um, there was talk of an ice rink being brought to the desert, Coachella specifically. In the event, I think it was just left covered as Frank Ocean turned up extremely late, played for, I think, maybe 40 minutes, danced to some of his songs that were just playing on a thing and did have this heartfelt moment in fairness to him. Talk about why I'm here because it's not because of a new album. Not that there's not a new album, it's like... You know, the last couple years, my life changed so much. And my brother and I, we came to this festival a lot. And I felt like I was dragged out here half the time because 
I hated the dust out here. I always left with a respiratory infection or whatever. So I, I would like avoid coming in. He would always, I would always end up here. And um, one of my fondest memories is watching Ray Strummer on, I don't know what that stage is called, but watching Ray Strummer with my brother and, and Travis. I don't know if Travis Paco is here, but we were just dancing. I know he would have been so excited to be here with all of us. And I want to say thank you for the support and the ears and the love. Well, now I can give out about him. I know, and that's why he's that not lovely. our winner. Um, but, I mean, listen, he's been through a rough time. Um, what was going on production-wise? It seemed like he was making insane demands, probably trying to put on something really special. It just wasn't happening. And in the event, there was this weird setup. I don't know how much of like the footage you guys saw, but it was kind of like obscured from the audience for a lot of it. He was being filmed. It looked quite cool, but it was like intimate in a really remote kind of way. Um, he was seated for a lot of it. There was like simple piano versions. There was kind of strange remixes of songs that weren't quite working. The aforementioned just playing like a bit of, not even karaoke, like him just bopping around to nights as it played um, through his like phone or whatever. Um, there was a security guard twerking, which like the camera was on instead of Frank for a good 15 minutes, I think. Oh, there was a DJ set in the middle of his set. <laughs> and, then, and then at the end, he was just like, oh, apparently there's curfew. Bye. <laughs> and peace the fuck out. He was in a fucking car within 30 seconds of leaving that stage. Hey, how did he get on the following weekend? Um, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> sure, all those issues were ironed out, no? Yeah, Coachella, uh, Coachella just basically um, cut ties. There was nothing posted on social media of the performance. It was Blink, wasn't it, that became the kind they of did. de facto headliners? Yes, and then job. they filled in for him mm-hmm. and then... Fred again, Skrillex and uh, Fortet filled their slot. Yeah. So it and, and by all accounts that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I, yeah. I it watched take, it. Back. It takes three pop punk musicians and three <laughs> abstract dance artists to replace one Frank Ocean. Sounds about right. Um, yeah. There's no album coming, by the way. <laughs> like he was just. You he, guys keep saying this. I, so, I'm, I'm keeping the faith. I, I'm buying. I'm not. He's did another repress of Blonde. It's not happening. Like, it's just not happening. <laughs> he's he like this kind of affected coyness though, where he's like, you know, not that there's not a new album, it's, and people are going wild. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's not a new album, Frank. Just like the mystique. Is is kind of gone at this point. I, did I wish see. him nothing but the best, but really, he's just fans paid insane money to go with that, and it was not good. Yeah, I did see clips come out. I don't know if it was on Complex or where it was this week, but it was fresh clips of him in the studio, like listening back to a song, and he's like just vibing out with the song, and it is not good. Oh, really? The song is. I, I didn't like it. Okay. Frank Ocean fans could be turned, but like for me, it's he released two of the best albums ever made. I don't really care. Yeah, he doesn't we... owe us anything. Exactly. That's my that's my whole thing, and that's why I'm like, there's not another one because, like, why? I don't know why you would like. It's like with Kendrick Lamar. It's like I don't like, know I why. Don't want him to do it. Exactly. I think just leave your legacy you as it perfect is. Perfect record. Just there. be that. Yeah, yeah. Just like be that enigma. You know. So yeah, listen, we love Frank and, you know, he's let us down a little bit, but I think our actual disappointment with the year has let us down quite a bit and artists that we definitely had love for, maybe still do, I don't know, I guess we're going to talk about it. 
It's got to be Roshin Murphy, mm. I think, for uh, taking the mask off and, quote, just asking questions, um, revealing herself through uh, ill-advised Facebook post, I would say, uh, to be anti-trans by the looks of things yeah. and gaining a whole new audience, which, unfortunately... Oh, that was the most sickening part. Well, I don't know. Yeah, the again, if anyone missed this, Craig, quite, how, yeah. how do we sum this up, really, in terms of what occurred? So, essentially, someone had access to what appeared to be her, like, personal Facebook account and had screenshots of her, yeah, doing a kind of just asking questions. I'm all about protecting the kids and, you know, basically posting stuff that was to be charitable, not well informed whatsoever. And also the kind of rhetoric which we've seen from people before, just before they slide down a pretty dodgy path. Um, they were kind of uploaded to the rest of the internet and... Of course, people were immediately outraged. Just heightening how awful the fallout was was the fact that, of course, Roisin Murphy has been so embraced by the LGBTQ plus um, community since the get go. I mean, that is her fan base. And She's seen as yeah. She has deliberately played to that fan base. Yeah, yeah. Despite actually, some claims to the contrary that emerged, uh, whether it's directly from her or, or people kind of saying it, uh, there's numerous interview headlines where she's like outright said, I make music for the gays and yeah, I do yeah. this, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, a community that has been great to her and, and she's been good to them. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's totally played into the, you know, I am mother kind of vibe of just like, um, so I can totally understand why so many of those fans just felt like, well, this is a real kick in the feet. Like, we thought she was a completely different person. Um, yeah, very it should be said, she hasn't, she hasn't gone foaming at the mouth. No, uh, no, she hasn't. It's just... Aggression. It was just, and, and she put out a statement which I think made it worse. And I know, yeah. and in fairness, I don't like this culture of person puts out statement to try and clarify thing and maybe apologize. And uh, then we're like, no, no, not good enough, die. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, no, not at all. I do think that the statement was very muddled and just it raised... It said nothing, really. It was, it was a lot of words to say nothing. It yeah. raised further questions. It wasn't the apology slash the embracement of a, you know, like people who were really feeling hurt yeah. they didn't get what they needed from that and that was that's the disappointment I think that she kind of not so much doubled down but kind of basically was like look I don't know what the fuck the problem is see ya and she disconnect from the fan base that were so invested for sure yeah that felt like the real the real um, sticking point and just another example of how like Social it wouldn't have been media and the discord. Yeah, like, it wouldn't have been hard to say. Hey, no, no, no. I, I, trans people are great. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I, don't, I don't mean any offense. I remember saying at the time, like you know, if she had, you know, because it's we're all entitled to be kind of initially not informed about these things, and we ask questions and we learn and whatever. If she had kind of said some of the stuff that was posted in really stark, you know, screenshots. Um, in a pub like with friends and then people had said well actually no here's the thing and she was correct and she's like okay grand these are the kind of conversations that you should be having in person with people if you're not sure of things it's just when you are suddenly posting on a public forum and it can be adopted by these absolute cretins who as you were hinting at are now her new fan base apparently you know fucking big Maloko fans from way back when best just, look at that one yeah yeah will they actually go to the gigs probably not and if they do it'll be a room full of fucking nightmares no so. and all the and there's been a lot of like um, you know below the line on the Guardian you know best album of the year list people being like uh, where's Roisin Murphy and you just know it's so disingenuous you know it's just apparently it's a great album yeah. apparently, I mean she's like, a tremendous artist the singles yeah. were fucking great yeah. I was really hyped for it I didn't get around to it and that wasn't like me making a big statement I was just like I'm just you know I'll get to it when I get to it and in fairness there was a number of reviews which kind of like um, addressed that and 
and then gave a fair assessment of the record and, you know, in most instances praised it. So it wasn't actually the, you know, quote-unquote cancellation that a lot of people were foaming at the mouth about. I will say there's a great reading piece for anyone who's interested in reading a little bit more in depth about it on the Nine Line website. He wrote a, a fantastic... He did, yeah, yeah, he did. A yeah. fantastic kind of a dissection into it all and um, I thought it came from... It came from a place of disappointment from him as a Roisin Murphy fan. Like fan yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there is like, like you can see the love he has for in the piece as well and the the, the kind of balance there and just like he he says all the right things, I think. And he, also got, he said it a lot more eloquently yeah, than he, Roisin he, Murphy he also did. Got, he, he got hounded then on Twitter, of course, by psychopaths. Psychopaths. Who though. all have the same fucking bad faith agenda and they are awful. They're completely unreasonable. They're just looking for a fight. They don't actually care about Roisin Murphy. Yeah. They don't care about her music. They don't care about her gigs. And they don't care about vulnerable people who should not be targeted no. in the way that they are. And Roisin Murphy wasn't doing that. And I don't think that she is that. I don't want to believe that she is that. This isn't us fucking quote unquote cancelling. She's that terrible no, word. No, no, no. Her. It's a case of like really hope that she goes back to the drawing board and comes back with something better. Had the chance to do it, kind of fucked that up. Maybe, maybe she might like learn something from the experience and like be we'll a bit more educated. But that's up to her. That's up to her. That's up to her. That's up to her. And I yeah. don't think people are being out of line if they're saying like, because you know, I was on the radio and, the, and I made the point that I was like, you know, people have been hurt by this on that side, and they were kind of like, really. And I was like, well, it, picture this: if you were a hardcore Roshi Murphy fan and you're trans, yeah. and you went to all her shows and you bought all of her records and you had tickets to her upcoming gig and you couldn't, and the vinyl was winging its way in the post tube for the new album, and then this happened, and then you felt not just not seen, but you felt insulted and Discard singled discarded. out and discarded yeah that's a lot to deal with for any fan because what do we look for in entertainment it's escapism and if Roisin Murphy was your artist that gave you that and gave you a safe space and a place to go whether it's in the comfort of your home or at a gig with people if that was suddenly taken away from you by someone who then kind of rubs it in your face or at least you perceive that to be the case that is a problem and that person has every right to feel upset about it. And the fucking psycho Twitter accounts that come after these people should be ashamed of themselves, but they don't know shame. And they're awful. Roshin Murphy, I don't think is awful. No. But this situation, unfortunately, was. And again, didn't do anything to nip that kind of wave of awfulness in the bud, you know, yeah. compounded by a really, uh, you know, pretty voucher statement. So, yeah. Anyway, just, look. You just like, to, yeah, exactly to say that. You just kind of like left the front door open yeah. and walked out of the house, so to yeah. speak. And you along know? with Nihilus piece, I think Laura Snape's wrote a great piece for The Guardian as well. She gave it a really positive rating, but she wrote a very good piece around it. So, anyway, look, listen, we hope for the best when it comes to Roshan Murphy yeah. and love to the trans community. Uh, phenomenon of the year. That's our next award. And despite very valid arguments for Boy Genius yep. and for Beyonce, yeah. there could be <laughs> there could be only one. And let's get into some numbers, shall we? Taylor Swift just named Times Person of the Year, but she's more than just a pop icon. She's a business powerhouse. Julia Borston with us at Post 9. To break down some of the Swiftonomics, something we've known for a while, but you looked into the numbers and they're pretty amazing. Yes, Sarah, I'm so excited to be here to talk about this yes. with you because I know you and I have yes. been really interested in the business implications of Taylor Swift for quite some time. So Taylor Swift's economic impact is far more than her concerts 2.2 
$2 billion in North American ticket sales. Her tour is estimated to have generated $5 billion in consumer spending in the U.S. alone. Then there's the concert film, which AMC distributed, grossing a record $250 million at the global box office. And then next Wednesday, her birthday, she's offering the movie for rent on a range of streaming platforms. Now, when it comes to streaming music, she was Spotify's top streamed artist of the year with 26.1 billion global streams, reportedly earning her over $100 million in royalties. And Billboard estimates that her streaming revenue, including other platforms, will near $200 million. And that's partially driven by her re-recording her albums. Now, Swift's popularity also boosts the economy in many ways she does not profit from. Etsy tells us that since April, Etsy sellers have sold nearly $5.5 million in friendship bracelets. That's a growth of 30% on a year-over-year basis. And Michaels tells us that sales in their jewelry category, including jewelry-making kits, surged 40% since mid-April when the swift friendship bracelet-making trend really took off. Now, with cities where she was on tour, they saw a 300% sales lift in the likes of beads and jewelry from Michaels. Now, in fact, Swifties averaged $1,300 of spending in local economies on the likes of travel, hotel stays, food, as well as merchandise and clothes. That's according to the U.S. Travel Association. They estimate that the total economic impact, including spending by others who did not themselves attend a show, topped $10 billion. And we haven't even talked yet about the 2 million new viewers that she is credited with drawing to the NFL thanks to her relationship with Travis Kelsey. So, yeah, the first thing to do for me is to uh, uh, pop a cold one in honor of Taylor Swift and Swiftonomics there quite a lot. The second thing to say is hope you're all paying attention because it's time for a quiz. Uh, Taylor Swift made that amount of money. At what time did she leave her house? And at what time did she arrive at the latest uh, stadium for the Euros tour? Adam, I believe you had your hand up before this. Um, I did, yeah. So, in a past life, the nominant of the year, by the way. Sorry, yeah. just to reiterate. That's Congratulations our, there was Taylor. There could be no one else. Uh, come on. Anyway, in a past life. In a past life, I worked in the banking sector. Mm-hmm. Boo. Um, but this, I kind of love this little segment because it's like really, you don't actually think about these things, right? Until yeah. like, you know, it, it it's all of these, like this table of data is just presented to you. Um, in real terms and in terms that you can actually understand and like in terms of like what actual people... Like, the journalists did a great job, by the way, and I feel horrendous so for good. not crediting the clip correctly. I'm really sorry. Um, it's it's absolutely fantastic. Um, it, so- it sounds like something off Bloomberg or something like that. Yeah, it yeah, might yeah. be Bloomberg. It could easily be Bloomberg. Is. Yeah, I like, think it is. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, what, like, <laughs> the one thing that kept ringing in my ears during that is just like, imagine... Imagine the stress when that fucking tax bill comes through. That <laughs> oh, I'd be looking. I'd be looking at it from against the hall, and it'd be taunting me, and I'd be my hands would be shaking opening that envelope. Like absolutely, like think what you want about Taylor Swift, right? That is an absolutely phenomenal achievement. Like I know the phenomenon of the year, phenomenon, blah, blah, whatever. That, that was a flub by me, but like Wasn't at the, a flub, baby. At the same time, it's it, like you have to commend someone who can like be that successful, not just in music, not just in artistry, because absolutely, but in business. 
absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Taylor Swift, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Titans, they are the people that we should be looking she to. She bet on herself in a, to an incredible degree. Now, yeah. I, like, here's the thing, right? I often wonder with this show, are we talking too much about her? The answer is probably. The reality is, I haven't done a tally, but I really feel like every other week we were talking about Taylor Swift, if not consecutive week on weeks. Don't go back and check it out. No, I'm not going to go back and check it out. I already fucking know, Dave. <laughs> are you serious? I don't, ha- I, don't have, I, I don't have a hard number, right? Okay. Of how many times we spoke about Taylor Swift, but... Um, uh, next week, you lovely listeners will be delivered the best of No Encore 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have speed ran the entire catalogue of No Encore episodes for this year. <laughs> the things this man does for this show. I can t- I'm ha- it sounds like some form of torture, but I'm genuinely having a really good time doing it. Um, and we, I would say every... It's either every second or third week on average. Yeah. It has been that way. And it's reflective, though, of the fact that she has just been literally unavoidable throughout the year. Everything she's touched turned to gold, including the NFL. The Eras tour was an unprecedented success. We still have 2024 to come. The highest grossing tour ever. The highest grossing concert film of all time. Snubbing major studios. The Time magazine person of the year. Her personal life seemingly flourishing. Uh, what do we put this down to? All kinds of things. Social media, lore, savviness, the exploitation of fans, critical acclaim. Uh, surely we're beyond a saturation point. I have ranted about this. In uh, in depth throughout the year, and I'm going to stop now. Craig Fitzpatrick, you've sat on the sidelines. Mm. Are you a Swifty? I'm not, but all I can keep thinking about is the fact that I've got a copy of Folklore that's signed by her. And can I check online what what that's going for now? I would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm on, I'm on my Discord. Explain right now. this, sorry. Because when that album came out, she was doing. Do you remember she was doing like loads of different versions of vinyl releases and stuff like that. She was also releasing limited batches of the album signed. Like I don't know how many. She probably signed five hundred thousand. <laughs> Which um... but I remember popping up and being like, "That's only twelve quid. I'm going to buy that and just <laughs> sit on it. It's still in the trapping. I bet very, it's now thirty quid. This is you like this is you like Duff McKagan when he uh, <laughs> yeah, put a hundred thousand yeah, yeah. dollars into putting it all in Swift. <laughs> he put it into as you told me on the show before. He put it into Starbucks. Starbucks, um, Amazon, oh, Starbucks, Amazon, Amazon and Microsoft, and Microsoft yeah. in like 1991 or two. <laughs> he took a, <laughs> unbelievable. He took a punt on that. <laughs> unbelievable. I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, okay, which edition is it, Craig? Do you know? I don't even know. Have you opened it? Do you it? know what? I'd never, I'd never sell it. Have you it's opened very it? important to me. No, no, I just, it's just sitting in a wardrobe somewhere. There's a somewhere. fucking obscene amount of versions of this thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. See, it's probably one of those things where there's, it was just flooding the market. You, do you remember she was doing a lot of those like online exclusives? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. probably just, I don't even, no, I'm sure she signs them all. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry there, there, there's a few of them. What, do you know what colour it is? Have you opened it? Uh, no. Okay. I don't know nothing about it. Is this, <laughs> is this domination? It's in a is this domination? It's total domination. A good and story or a bad story or something in between? Mm, I am in agreement with Adam in terms of a very kind of basic fair play to her. And I think she is a force for good in a lot of ways. I love what she represents for artistic autonomy and how she stood up to the machine. (laughs) Um, I know like her dad has been very... um, integral to like guiding her career from the get-go and just making sure she isn't being ripped off um and that stood to her they've just made really wise decisions um a lot of the time um as best you can 
So fair play to her. I didn't I didn't foresee the the you know re-recorded albums doing the business they've been doing. No, yeah, no one could. And that's like that's great to see. I'm flabbergasted, but like I'm I'm glad she's free of all that kind of stuff. There's other aspects though where you know, the fan base, um, how reluctant she is sometimes to get involved in and use her platform um, for certain causes. But I think that comes with a lot of these kind of stars. I think the exploitation of the fan base needs to be spoken about. Like, I, I, like, and needs to be addressed. Are you talking about me trying to sell that album? No, <laughs> no, no, that's kind of like reverse exploitation. Now. Um, but yeah, yeah no, it's a smart business. It's smart yeah. business. Yeah, it's, you're you're a shrewd businessman, yeah. Craig. Um, no, Dragon's Den. For me, it's the fact that like it's it's pushing the the like all of these packages on people and like it's like it's so clearly a money grab and yes there is an element of they don't have to buy it but they absolutely fucking do in yeah. their own heads and like while I will commend her on her business model being very very successful I think there is a very large percentage of that that comes from I wouldn't say like I think preying on vulnerable fans is probably a bit of a a bit of an over exaggeration of it, but part of it. I think there's an element of it mm. in there, and it, it there's a knowingness, and she knows what she's doing, and I don't morally agree with it. And yeah. I like from the fans' perspective, I get it. It's nice to have a have a piece of something that you feel is, you know, like Dave mentioned about Roisin Murphy could be your it, it's your artist, and she is for so for so, so many people. so many people. millions so many people. She's like she is the modern equivalent of the Beatles for you know a lot of in in terms of like the fans zeitgeist. Yeah, or people would sniff for that statement, but it's true. It's a true statement. And I Jan Wenner, one interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> well, she doesn't have anything Do, to say. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't, yeah. Uh, in fairness, her Time magazine interview. Her Time magazine interview was horrendous. I didn't read it really. Yeah. Oh, that was just a puff piece. Was oh, it? There was no, no, just the there was a moment where the journalist was like, "Who am I to challenge this narrative?" And I was like, "Okay, oh, okay. you're literally <laughs> Time's literally a, a Time magazine journalist." Um, and just like her quotes are cringe as ever. That's fine. Let her be cringe. Yeah. No bother. Yeah. Anyway, that's our phenomenon of the year. Uh, it couldn't be anybody else, so congrats to her. Congrats. Uh, can she sustain it for 2024? Can we survive it? Who knows? But um, let's move on to a much different section. It is Jesus our... Jesus Christ. Well, there's no need for Jesus. This isn't an award. We're, we're taking a little breather. Yeah. yeah. It's the in memoriam. We're just going to go through some names who left this mortal coil. Oh, this I year. sorry. I should say I did not think. I forgot that I don't have any clips for this, so I didn't create a folder for it. So I'm jumping onto the next section, which we'll get to. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I, that's I why I said I, Jesus I Christ. Okay, I understand. <laughs> there is the follow up to this section will speak for itself yeah. in many respects. Uh, Craig, I'm just going to go through some luminaries who we lost this year, mm. um, and you can give me some reaction. Okay, so, uh, Francis Monkman, who wrote the theme. To the Long Good Friday. Oh my God! Just such an iconic piece Unbelievable. of music. Unbelievable, relentless. Yeah, fucking yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Francis Monkman. R. I. P. Steve Harwell, singer of Smash Mouth. I mean, do you know what? Smash Mouth are so like integral to pop culture, specifically for people of our kind of generation. That it, it hit me in a weird, weird way. I mean, obviously, any death is just really sad, but it felt like a kind of. Oh, piece of your childhood's kind of gone. Yeah, gone. And yeah, that was very sad, of course. Tom Verlaine? Um, I'm now starting to feel really weird about doing a running commentary of everyone that passed away, but Marky Moon is one of the greatest albums of all time. And I used to think he was the coolest guy um, around. And you know what? He, he pr- very much probably was. 
Um, a huge loss, a huge loss. An innovator, uh, incredible guitarist, a legend, yeah. Jane Birkin. This isn't like, I'm not looking for like football commentary. This is the, It's just a reaction. When people like talk about what they meant. It's a celebration, if anything. Jane Birkin was cool as fuck. Uh, loved the stuff with Serge. Um, just looked great. Sounded great. Seemed um, to have it all together. And yeah, that was really sad as well. The amazing... <laughs> I'm going to stop saying it's sad. Yeah. You can take that for granted. It's a given. The yeah. amazing, uh, effortlessly cool, ridiculously talented and dynamic Ryuchi Sakamoto. Yeah, I mean, now you're just trying to upset me. Um, I am. I got into Sakamoto properly maybe in the last two or three years. And um, yeah, speaking of ambient earlier, just there's no one better. Um, an absolute towering maestro, yeah. Sharp dress man, Tony oh Bennett. Oh my god, Tony Tremendous. Bennett. Oh, I thought you were talking about Sakamoto, but yeah, Tony Bennett as oh, well. Oh, Sakamoto was also a sharp dress yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tony Bennett, uh, not a huge fan. <laughs> I can't. What? I don't know much about Tony Bennett. He seemed really nice. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, this isn't like a quiz. It's <laughs> it not like... like a quiz. <laughs> okay, well, then I'll, I'll stop. I'll, I'll move right. it into more like Andy Rourke passed away. That was very sad. Oh my Morrissey God. of all people. Yeah, wrote, that was a. He yeah. wrote a stunning eulogy. Yeah, yeah. and I know it's yeah, there was a few digs in it. There were. Um, there were that's but, par for the course but, but no it was beautiful by and there was a yeah. moment like I remember I remember this very vividly he wrote uh, Morrissey and Morrissey's Morrissey and he says a lot of shit we don't agree with but he's entitled to talk about the death of a former friend and bandmate that's fine yeah. he had a line uh, towards the end of the year where he said something to the effect of you know what was it again it was just like I hope wherever Andy is you know like he's doing okay or something it was something along those lines mm. and I remember I was on a bus going out to do arena that night and we ended up talking about this um, and I just welled up with tears because I just thought about my dad, obviously, but also like it, that's a feeling I've had where it's like, even though it doesn't make any logical sense, and even though I don't believe in the cosmic afterlife, uh, that's something I found myself saying, which is to be like, I wish I could check in on him. Yeah. And I know this doesn't make any sense. I know it doesn't mean anything, but it means everything, you know? And that line just fucking, I was like, okay, that's it. Like that is everything I've been thinking and trying to say in the most Morrissey line ever. And despite him being Morrissey, uh, it really hit me. And Andy Rourke was obviously a legend, so RIP. Uh, yeah. Other names we lost include Gordon Lightfoot, Harry Belafonte, Bert Bacharach. Oh, what a loss. Yeah. That's a big one. That's really big. Huge loss. And anytime we have, like, Patty Hanna was on the show, I always think about Patty Hanna. Yeah, he had his moments. Yeah, big moments, big moments. David Crosby, Twitter King. Fucking love David Crosby. Voice of an angel. <laughs> Phoebe Bridges' favorite <laughs> artist. He was so good on Twitter. Yeah, but she won ultimately, didn't she? Well, she, yeah, because yeah. she's alive. Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. Uh, very sudden and sad news. Lisa Marie Presley Horrendous. passing away. Jeff Horrendous. Beck. Uh, yeah. The incredible Robbie Robertson, who went out on an incredible score for Killers of the Flower he Moon. Did. Yeah, he did indeed. A huge amount of... Yeah, when you think of like his relationship with Scorsese and like aside from all the iconic stuff with the band and the 60s stuff. Yeah, amazing career. Jimmy Buffett? Jimmy Buffett. Um, kind of a living meme while he was here. Margaritaville and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, like a really specific... He kind of invented a genre of like boomer, kind of sardonic, easy listening country. Total, total one-off. Yeah, interesting guy. I believe a good friend of ours, good friend of the show, Joshua Hughes, I think he saw him live a couple of times possibly. Um, Tina Turner, as legendary oh, as it gets. Yeah, no, that's, that's massive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hard, such a hard life, you know? Yeah, and, uh, yeah now, really uh, obviously, like great that she had the success later on after all of the stuff with with, with Ike Turner and all of that horribleness. But like, 
she had to she had to fight she really had to fight her corner yeah. everything yeah. and she really had to really had to str- struggle the whole way up and um i remember one year i got my mom actually I, I i was too young to like i didn't have a job i was like maybe 13 14 something mm. like that and i saw that the routine turner tickets going on sale for the point depot and i said to my dad i was like you should get them for mom for christmas because like mom likes tina turner and he was like oh fuck i might actually do that and he did and he said it was one of the best gigs he was ever at the yeah, two yeah. of them both loved it you know there you go when um, you think of like you know getting into middle age as you know a female star at the time and just how her career just kind of picked back up she had massive hits you know when i was a small kid she was just absolutely iconic but mm. very current and like you know how just right there and uh, trailblazer yeah and on the home front as well, yeah, yeah. a genuinely gigantic year for Irish losses in this regard. We mentioned Mark Sheehan of the script earlier on, and I do want to mention him because I feel like that happened in April and it was announced on a Friday evening. I feel like, you know, the news cycle's strange. I feel like it was announced on Friday evening. I think Joe Biden was in town at the time and no one was really kind of paying attention. Mm. It kind of came and went, which is a horrible thing to say about anyone's death, but that's kind of how it felt in terms of a media reaction. And uh, so young, in his 40s. Uh, Two kids as father, well. Father, yeah, yeah, like a f- family. And it really is a case of guy like... guy as well. Yeah, you um, interviewed him, yeah, right? Yeah, no, I probably interviewed him two or three times and just got on really well with him. Very down to earth. Um great kind of raconteur like just loving loving life and just loving being a musician and following his passion and grafting really hard yeah yeah, yeah. like like with everything about the script and again they're an actor we poked phone at before and we'll probably do so again because Daniel Dunn who is a very exuberant guy who again I would love to interview another time because he's a walking headline those 20 minutes we had were unbelievable (laughs) but like um, and actually I was supposed to interview Mark Sheehan and it never happened and I obviously deeply regret that now but like the script one of the reasons why you poke fun at them is because of their international success because they are a huge huge act and they can take it yeah, yeah and for sure. you know a lot of that and it appears that the majority of it at least from a kind of a conceptual point of view and the behind the scenes grafting came from Mark Sheehan he was known to be the kind of engine room of that band this came out of nowhere he had a short illness it is a devastating loss for people who knew him and it's 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 a lot and I do yeah. think he deserves to be mentioned tragedy, but of course sure. the I guess the Holy Trinity of Irish acts that we lost this year. Sinead O'Connor, like yeah. uh, Christy Dignam, and Shane McGowan. I mean, like, I don't know what else I can add. We did an episode on, on Sinead O'Connor at the time. Uh, we, were, we were so rocked by the news. Uh, it's I, I think these things are always tricky to talk about, and I find myself on radio trying to find something to say and not sound like platitudes, but they always come out like platitudes because how can they not? But I do mean this when it comes to these three people in particular. I think it's going to take a long time to process this. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it's, uh, as I say, like a, like end of an era. The, the thing that's really struck me um, with each of them was the way people were reacting to the news, not as like, oh, this celebrity has passed away, but people talking about them as if it was like you were hearing news that like a neighbour or, you know, someone in the extended family had passed away and just like, oh, Jer- you know, Christy died or, oh, Sinead's gone. And just, it felt like they were such an integral part of the fabric of Ireland that it's just, I don't think any of us have really come to terms with it. Um, yeah, the absence will only be felt with time. It's one of those ones, all, you know, unique and special in different ways, all going through really tough times, all uh, in many ways probably hurt by Ireland, but also hugely embraced. And you could do you could do a whole episode just talking about the three of them. But yeah, I mean... Yeah, what more can you say? 
yeah, no, rest in peace to all. Mm. And it'll take a long time to kind of to kind of find the right words if 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 we even do. Uh, did you watch Shane McGowan's funeral? I saw clips of it. I didn't watch it live. Um, everyone seemed to be settling down for it live, though. It was like a big, <laughs> big thing. Yeah, we had it, it big, on in the office. Big moment, yeah. 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 Um, I I kind of like that thing of making it a celebration, and you know the the dancing in the aisles thing. I'm like, yeah, you kind of want more of that. Like he would have got a kick out of that. Um, I saw the Nick Cave performance, which was very touching. It's a pity Glenn Hansen was there. It, yeah, I didn't want to say it, but like, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it it did feel like a fitting send off for just an absolute institution. Sounds like the wrong word for Shane McGowan, but just like if you talk about, you know, we throw around the term legend quite a lot, but he is just someone that through the annals of time, along with probably Sinead, just will be remembered as one of those key Irish figures. And yeah, I mean, it's been a joy revisiting all of their music, but you know, particularly... There was one yeah. song you posted this week that you are particularly poked song Oh, Thousands Are Sailing, yeah. Um, I think I think maybe Phil Chevron worked on the lyrics for that one. The vocal is incredible uh, basically it just felt like a real manifesto of what the Pogues were all about which I think is sometimes obscured because they get you know after years and years of them just being trotted out as kind of republican music and adopted maybe by people that are a bit inward looking now the Pogues were this motley crew of <laughs> not that kind of motley crew of you know immigrants and English people uh, you know, Shane, you know, a Londoner, but very much an Irish man that understood the diaspora and what Ireland was all about, which was standing up against kind of colonialism, um, supporting the underdog, banding together for a better life, uh, being a bit free and creative and loving. And that song in particular just really, it's like a clarion call. It felt like a really important reminder at the moment of just like, who we should be as Irish people and who we should be supporting and lifting up. And I don't think Shane ever lost sight of that. And you, you talk about his troubles and he had a lot of them, but he only ever really seemed to trouble himself. Like he seemed like a real, going back over old interviews, like he was a, a dose of a human being, probably too sensitive for his own good, but it gave us so much incredible, um, deep, um, nurturing work that like I think yeah we'll be revisiting for generations to come yeah shout out to the body of an American as well and it's usage in the wire oh yeah, yeah incredible tremendous. staple yeah. Um, real quick before we move to our next award uh, I did enjoy uh, Shane's wife Victoria Mary Clark who <laughs> was an incredible hostess you should say of that yeah, incredible, genuinely incredible not. occasion uh, as she like playfully chastised Johnny Depp during <laughs> the uh, during the address yeah she's a remarkable person like she's just you know together with Shane for so long and um People on Twitter reacting to the Johnny Depp thing because that's what Twitter does. Yes. You had the Johnny Depp hardcores being like, who is this woman? Doesn't she understand that this is a difficult day for Johnny? Uh, mm. Yeah, I'd say she's got some idea. <laughs> and then the Amber Heard fans being like, keep her name out of your fucking mouth. Uh, Twitter, everybody, it's bad. Yeah, uh, like, and again, just yeah, such sideline stuff of like treating a funeral like a piece of politicized content when it's just like okay whatever we're, we're talking about Johnny Depp at the end of the day it was a funeral yeah Johnny it was, Depp it knew was broadcast for, live though and it I was know, unusual I know, in but terms you of know, if we can't get to a point where it's a rock star funeral like yeah but if we can't get to a point where 
people can go and mourn the loss of their friend without people commenting on it. Like, where are we at? Yeah, I thought about that and I'm like, look, I think whatever about Johnny Depp, and I don't mean that flippantly, he's got a right to go to the funeral of his friend. Like, that's just, I'm sorry, he does. But anyway, listen, listen, listen. There were, you could say there were bad elements to to this and there was one bad element in particular, which brings us to our next award. It's the inaugural... Dave Fanning Award for bad timing. Uh, let's have Dave Fanning talking about Shane McGowan first, shall we? In the wake of his death, I remind you. Quote, I think, from Bruce Springsteen saying, or somebody, I think it's Bruce Springsteen saying he's the greatest songwriter ever. He isn't. Shane wrote a bunch of great songs, but like Mick Jagger and Keith Richards wrote a hundred powerful songs. Uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney wrote 200. Nick Cave will be there today. He, to me, is the best artist of the last 30 years. He's written 50. So, like, Shane did great stuff. But I mean, like, uh, I wouldn't, he wouldn't be my number one in the world, you know? Okay, Dave Fanning there reacting to the death of the funeral, I I believe is when he was speaking, uh, or I guess post-death. Yeah, I don't think that Bruce Springsteen thing is actually even accurate, but uh, what do you think, Craig, before we get to the other thing he said this year? He fabricated a quote to be outraged by. Um, Yeah, I think Bruce Springsteen said that Shane McGowan was one of his favourite writers and that they'd still be singing his songs in like a hundred years' time, which is all true, and, you know... Then Dave decides that it's suddenly a competition, and it's like a he's ta- he's commenting on like a Q magazine list of one hundred great songwriters as opposed to a human that has just passed away. Yeah, um, I don't know because obviously we're going to get into other examples of Dave putting his foot in his mouth. I presume this is a thing where like early on in his career. He's like, people find this you know bluntness refreshing um, because yeah, I'm was, such a muso. He was edgy. I just think. With the Shane thing and with the Christie thing, he does seem to have this thing where if he's not been integral to the rise of an Irish act, he will, such as you two, for example, actually, when I say integral, I think they would be fine, but you know what I mean. He has a weird, not chip on his shoulder, but a weird dismissive attitude towards other things that were happening outside of his remit. I don't know. It's strange. I don't like it, Dave. Okay. I don't like it at all. Well, listen, so we're going kind of in, in reverse order. Like, I remind are, you, I remind you, this is the inaugural uh, Dave Fanning Bad Timing Award. Yeah. So uh, he was saying that because people were like, he's at it again. Because when Sinead O'Connor passed away, he was much more oh, measured. Yeah. He was much more yeah. measured for her. Much yeah. more measured. And everyone was like, okay, cool, he's learned his lesson. Because <laughs> he's he had, back, baby. <laughs> because he previously apologized quite profusely, I believe, one week after he made comments about Christy Dignam. Yeah on the Claire Burns show on RT Radio 1. And what I've done here is, much to Adam's chagrin and annoyance, I know you don't like these this audio or these clips, but this is what he said, and we must discuss it further. Uh, here is a stitched-together trifecta of Dave Fanning on Claire Byrne in the wake of Christy Dignan's passing, and this is what he had to say. Then they got their kind of deal, and they were with the record company, they brought out an album, they did well with the single This Is, and all that happened. And then I know this is a time for eulogising, but I don't want to deify the guy either. He blew it royally. And he would say later on that, you know, because of a, I was abused at the age of six by a neighbour and this hole in my life for ages, so I filled it, not by trying to get high with heroin, but just by filling it with heroin to keep myself away from the memory of it. And I remember saying to him, are you sure about that now, Christy? Are you sure you're not trying to, trying to pull the wool over my eyes? He said, look, you can look at it that way if you like. That's what I'm saying. So, like, basically... What I'm saying is you have two things about people who go on heroin. Get rid of them or do the best you can with them. I just He just blew it. Define made it. They never made it outside of Ireland. Nothing. They didn't mean a thing elsewhere. Sure, they played Australia and they played other places, but they actually didn't mean a thing. So I think they would have loved to have made it, but they always gave out to people who said, 
you know, why do you ask this question about made it? I mean, what is made it? A residency at the Bagot in Dublin, a, a gig at the Three Arena, you know, uh, five nights in 99, they did a Vicar Street and all that. That's brilliant, made it. That's fantastic. But they they just should have done more and didn't. All right. But he is one in a million and somebody who has a very special place in, in the hearts of Irish people and probably always will. He'll never be man- matched. No. In, well, in terms of that kind of thing. But I mean, I do think that, like, you know, somebody said, I've never seen a better front man. I have. I've seen much better front man. But that's the way it is. Look, even in Irish bands, you know, I thought Aslan great. I thought Christie was great. But I do think, you know, that I thought the demons were just as strong. Okay, I mean, God, how bad that was. Yeah, like I'm not looking to twist the knife here. He apologized for those comments a week later, and again, people came out and they're like, "Well, why didn't you apologize to me? Why did you say it in the first place?" It's like fuck that argument. Um, it's just kind of surprising that he's reverted to it for shame again. What do you think overall? I don't understand where he's coming from. Like, what is the, what is he hoping to achieve here? He's ostensibly an intelligent man who is now like what in his sixties. He should be a bit. Go on, Adam, I'm, I'm going to quote here. George yeah. Michael here. This is not an intelligent man. <laughs> no, he's, not, he's not unintelligent at all. No, no. I, and we all, we all I, grew I up maybe like, lacking like, in emotional intelligence. We could say <laughs> we all grew up like it. I, I liked him. Didn't I? I used to him. listen to his radio show every every night. It was a great place to hear new music. Um, this, like this was never something that I recognised in him. Like he's always been kind of opinionated, but there's a weird kind of. Does, like listening back to those clips, it's just it comes across as cruel in a very kind of surprising way. I just can't wrap my head around it. Yeah, no, n- nor can I. I mean, yeah. I un- I do understand, like you know, like let's not deify, etc. You know, like but that's that's for a considered piece. That like that's for something. It's not the context for it. Whether oh, yeah. it, if you're going to write like a massive obituary, and I should say the Guardian really fucked up on their shame again obituary. It was really insulting, um, but like. And yeah, someone like they're not great at those on occasion. But like, I think there's a, there's a space, there's a time and a space to maybe get into the work, yeah, or the work and like the failings, quote unquote, or like, you know, the 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 story it doesn't have to be completely fucking rose tinted. But it's not in a in a radio segment when the body's still warm like and it, the tone, you, the you language blew it, he's using, you know, yeah, the language and, yeah, he's using they meant yeah. nothing. And aside from Richard Keys, did, shit didn't there, mean like, a thing, is yeah. what he said. And aside from like, you know the specifics of talking about Christy Dignam, the insulting way of speaking about people who have addiction problems as well was yeah. just very surprising to me. Yeah. Like just completely Flippant. dismissive. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, not not a great look. And that's why uh, Dave Fanning wins the Bad Timing Award. <laughs> and he's had an, an award named after him going yeah. forward as well. Yeah. So Dave Fanning Bad Timing Award. Uh, Craig, next one though. Something very different. Innovation of the Year. <laughs> You've been ripping the piss out of this since we... It was, for, it, it was, initially, it, it was initially Tech Innovation of the Year. And I was like, what podcast is this? <laughs> I was like, I mean, uh, <laughs> when we get to the winner, all will be revealed of why we needed to crowbar in or something like this. Yeah. Listen, will we talk about the Kiss avatars first? Do you want to talk about that? I've kind of like, I've, moved I, on. I'm all kissed out. <laughs> it, it's a kiss off for me. Let me tell you, I have my finger on the trigger ready to pull the kiss sting. No, no, okay. oh, no. no. We, you did. No. You did already close the door on Kiss Corner. For the, for the final time. So what, you want to do it one last time? Oh, no, one no, for no. the road? No, no, no. no. no it's done. No. Because I don't, cause I don't, I don't agree with them living They're... on, I don't agree with them living on as digital avatars. Okay, that's fair enough. There might be another sting coming up that's even <laughs> there better. Might be. Anyway, I wanted to talk to you, David, about I... artificial intelligence. Great. <laughs> 
<laughs> so guys, what, have what you heard the news on the AI stuff? I, like, it's obviously been constantly in the news. The most recent thing I've been seeing was the Bad Bunny. Like, Bad Bunny released a single that didn't do hugely well, and then it this track appeared on TikTok, which totally blew up. Which was just using his voice essentially, and he flipped the lid and was just like, you know, if, if people are listening to this, then they're not my true fans. In much the same way as like Drake has. Um, hit out like I think there was a track with him in the weekend wasn't it in April yes yeah it's a really interesting time for this kind of stuff because we're just going to get flooded with it I, like I don't know how you feel about it but um, I listened to a podcast on it I think it was The Ver- the Verge got two kind of um, professional musicians songwriters to use all the AI tools at their disposal to try and come up with a song. And I found it kind of heartening because it's a really interesting um, episode if people want to check it out. But basically they were like, well, this isn't worth our time whatsoever. By, you know, the amount of tweaking you have to do to get something that's even barely listenable is like, it does. it's not worth the effort. Um, people are very much over-promising, like this is very much built on sand. The technology isn't there. So I was kind of thinking... Are we like six months away from just generated pop songs that go to number one? It doesn't seem that way. This is my general stance on it across the board. I'm sure there are many industries and places where AI can actually be very beneficial. Obviously, I'm worried about it from the perspective of being in media because, you know, there will be jobs just erased. All jobs, yeah. But when it comes to entertainment especially... um, I don't see the value because I don't care about it. It doesn't impress me. You know, it's like, here's a video of like, you know, like a lifelike thing of like, you know, celebrities doing this. I don't care. It's not real. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, it's like, a gimmick, like, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't impress me. It doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me. I don't think it does anything. I don't think it gives you anything. It, like, you know, like, like what's, like, who cares? Like, I mean, like some guy somewhere can create a photorealistic version of Drake in the Weekend having a fight to the death. I don't care. Yeah. I don't give a shit. It's not a real form of entertainment. It's not a real thing that happened. And when it comes to music in particular, like when it comes to films, there was the whole craze of like, here's what Star Wars would look like if it was a Wes Anderson film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is the laziest shit of all time. First of all, fuck Wes Anderson. He's hit, <laughs> he's hit and miss. Wes Anderson taking shots. <laughs> he's hit and miss. His style is overrated. His films are overrated. I don't really give a shit about them. Some of them are okay, I suppose. Um, like, shut the fuck up, you clowns. And literally when it's just like, well, I don't care what a Star Wars trailer looks like in the form of Wes Anderson movie because I, like, I, I'm over this kitsch bullshit anyway. And also, I don't care. It doesn't mean anything. And when it comes to music... Music is where you really got to get the passion in there, right? Mm. The individuality. Uh, this came from a person, flaws and all. Yeah. I don't give a fuck if a computer can make it perfect, quote unquote. It doesn't mean a thing to me. The yeah. imperfect nature of music is is imperative to music. Like, that's the whole thing. It's the placement of microphones. It's the, mm. the, the challenging of what's there. It's the, like, the sounds, like, it, AI can't do that. It can't, like... I know there's the, all the arguments. It's like, well, we can teach you to do that. No, you fucking can't. Yeah. It's always going to miss that human touch, like you say. I yeah. hope it's a bubble that will burst. However, I don't think it will. I think it will actually take over a lot of things. I think people will be left jobless. I think maybe it could, in fact, kill us, Terminator style. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But nonetheless, when it comes to entertainment, keep it out of it. In, at least in terms of a domination thing. I have a challenge sure. to oh, yeah, you cool. about something that is good. <laughs> Hit me. What do you make of the uh, voice kind of modelers that when people do uh, 
cover is in the Homer Simpson style. That's the only one. That's, <laughs> That's the only one. I love that so much. Homer Simpson doing Stardust by Muse was in fact emotional and beautiful. Homer Simpson doing uh, Break Stuff by Limp Bizkit is absolutely my favourite one but this is yeah, the thing fun. isn't it like that, why that's good is because it's a creative human idea if that is using this as a tool because it's got the input right yeah. it's got like the and it's also inherently some... ridiculous and you laugh at it for a minute and you move on it shouldn't yeah. be the fucking domination of anyway Beatles yeah we got a new Beatles song lads thanks to AI now I actually think this was very much uh, like they were like oh AI has made it possible to all that happened was they were able to scrape some piano off Je- John Lennon's voice um, I've got a clip it's a bit of Macca getting all wistful which I've always got time for so here you go Rocket man <laughs> I know you will <laughs> make it through memories come flooding back my god how lucky was I to have those men in my life and to work with those men so intimately and to come up with such a body of music to still be working on Beatles music in 2023 wow we're actually messing around with state-of-the-art technology, which is something the Beatles would have been very interested in. Now and then, it's probably like the last Beatles song, and we've all played on it, so it is a genuine Beatles recording. He's a very sweet man. He is a very sweet uh, man. Great promoter. <laughs> Canny businessman. It's going to go far. Um, and I think he probably ruined that song because the strings and everything. And uh, I don't know if there was much there to ruin. It's like a nice enough melody. I do like the story behind it. It's kind of touching that it's the last Beatles thing. Did you care at all, Dave? Uh, like, obviously not from the perspective yeah. of someone who isn't a Beatles fan, but I also recognize that it works as a postscript. Yeah. It comes from, you know, original data and recordings and, it, it, it you know, Ringo and Paul were involved. That's not the same as some lad in his bedroom doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, for I'm sure. okay with this existing in this form and it's meant to be a full stop. Yeah. That's fine. It didn't bother me. The song is fine. It's okay. The video is horrendous. I couldn't get over that. Like Shocking. You know, if they're using the latest technology on the audio and then you've got this weird, like it looks like it's made 20 years ago. characters dancing in the studio with them. Yeah. yeah, horrendous. But yeah, look, fair play Beatles. See you in 2024. Uh, are we moving on to the, yeah, to, listen, the big, to the big screen, is listen, it? Let's is move from one Fab Four <laughs> to our Fab Four. Hit it. He's a communist. You think about that. That's kind of mad, isn't it? We haven't played that in nine months. In nine <laughs> months, Craig. That's we a crowning achievement. We That's a we, masterpiece. The Bono Box is Try not, and make that AI. The Bono Box has not been opened in nine months. Why is it open now? And who's winning our innovation award? It's Bono and the lads. <laughs> not Larry. The biggest screen. He's chilling at home. You could say. Yeah, yeah. The box has become a sphere in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> so everyone knows about this at this point but, um, they're called U2 there are four plucky lads from Dublin although not four lads anymore really uh, not in this three lads they're three Bram lads and Vandenberg everybody. Bram Great name. Vandenberg brilliant name brilliant name and he's been joining them in um, the 
516 foot wide and 366 foot tall spherical structure in Vegas, the world's largest LED screen. The optic prison that is <laughs> the sphere. Uh, they've had a little Vegas run. I don't think they've been calling it a residency because, I don't know, tax reasons or something? I don't know. <laughs> Not tax reasons. Not tax reasons. Um, yeah. Do you want to hear a little bit of Bono waxing lyrical about um, the sphere? Do I ever? Yeah. There's a few clips here, Adam, actually. And uh, yeah, I think the Bono one's probably the one to go for. That's the thing about the resolution of the screen and the photoreal potential of it, yeah. is that if you show what's outside the building yeah. on this wraparound screen, the building disappears. Yeah. So yeah. When, when asked, you know, what's your magic trick in Las Vegas? Yeah. We can not just make this building disappear. Yeah. We make the other buildings, we make, we make the strip disappear. Yeah. We make the airport disappear. Yeah. And eventually you're back 100 years you know, ago when when there was no Las Vegas as we know it now. It was just desert. Yeah, and you're just looking up at the stars. Yeah. And then something else happens, which now you're back a million years and you, you see the sea. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard the, the... Like, that's being... That fellow's being punished by Bono. He's been like... Yeah. Th- that's, yeah. mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't give a fuck. Please leave yeah. me alone. Sorry, that is so Spinal Tap. <laughs> it's so funny. I cut out the end bit where he's talking about dinosaurs for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> that is Hulk Hogan levels of nonsense. <laughs> I gotta give it to him. Have I, you have you like seen any clips of the show? Have have you, I, I work with people who went. I work with uh, oh, I work, shit. Yeah, so this yeah, guy yeah. in my work, he's a, a sound designer, and uh, he went twice when he went over to Vegas, and he did say. And again, of course, this would happen because he's a fucking sound engineer. He was kind of like he has he has an app on his phone to check the levels and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And he wasn't too impressed. He thought it was great and all, but he but but the sound, sound was a bit off for him. Yeah. Weird, because I thought the sound would be actually one of the most impressive things because, like, there is, like, bespoke speakers throughout the arena, yeah. which is kind of new, so it should be great. Um, I don't really... I'm sure it's an amazing spectacle. It doesn't seem to lend itself to a rock band, but I guess fair play to them for doing it. I mean, they're always at the forefront, in fairness to them. Yeah, and they're doing Oxen Baby, which is amazing. Yes. And other songs. Um, <laughs> but, like, I saw a shot of it from outside and, like, it was just one giant eyeball. And I was like, imagine being in like a fucking plane on an acid trip and looking out the window and seeing that. Like, like flying, I'm flying into Blade Runner over here. <laughs> imagine going to the show on an acid trip. That would actually be too much, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'd ever come back from that. When I went to see Tool, I wasn't on acid, but like, <laughs> there was lots of lads getting stoned outside and they went in and I was like, oh, now I understand. But like, that's, yeah, this is like that times 25. Fair play to the lads yeah. for making much more money and extending the residency and fair play to Bram Vandenberg, <laughs> who we wish a happy Christmas to. Happy Christmas, Bram. Uh, so from the biggest screen to a smaller screen, but a big screen nonetheless, uh, our award, the No Popcorn Award for music in movies in 2023. We have a few candidates for this. Uh, let's see. I want to play a snippet from uh, an action movie this year uh, starring a man who likes to run a lot. Uh, here's a segment from that.
So, that is a track called I Was Hoping It'd Be You. Lauren Balfe is the composer. It's taken from Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, I loved Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. It didn't make as much money as we thought it would, and I hope that people will flock to the sequel when it gets made. Uh, the score for this film blew me the fuck away. Lauren Balfe was like my number two artist of the year on really? Spotify because That's of this cool. one... I think just because of this one track. So, um, yeah, it feeds off a, a song called, or a piece of music called Chasing Grace into this one. And it's in a very pivotal action scene in the middle of the movie. And I just love that build. That to me is pure adrenaline. This, the track is like less than two minutes long and it's one of my most played of the year. Uh, love the score. I think it's been a great, great year for film scores and a great year for movies as well. Yeah. I mean, in terms of some of the other ones I've kind of thought about, I love The Killer. That score, Trent, Trent and Atticus doing their thing. <laughs> Your boys. Uh, Past Lives, which is my film of I the year. I still haven't seen it. My film of the year, it's stunning. And the score is by two of the lads from Grizzly Bear. And it's oh, no way. fucking amazing. It's so beautiful. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem had not only a score by Trenton Atticus, but incredible needle drops. Blackberry had great needle drops. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse had great needle drops. Oh, incredible needle drops in there, yeah. And of course, Tar, as a musical film, and and everything in it was just so overwhelming. Um, But I believe you've picked a classic for our second... Yeah, I I hit the cinema, um, shocker I know, (laughs) to see a gig, Dave. (laughs) Uh, Here's a little of The Talking Heads. Stop making sense. Back in the cinemas, um, remixed, remastered. I'm going to say, I think this might be humanity's crowning achievements. <laughs> <laughs> I have a kind of ritual the last four or five years where I will watch Stop Making Sense. Usually New Year's Eve kind of early or like close enough to the turning of the year to be like, okay, it's going to be a good year because I've watched Stop Making Sense. It is the most ebullient, just like fucking life-affirming without being cheesy piece of art uh, I can think of. I think it's a one of the greatest bands of all time at the absolute peak of their powers. Just enough arty pre- pretension, but also sheer abandon. Um, that's all the cocaine, I think. But like, it was such a good job in terms of the remaster. It sounded phenomenal. And it was very, very enjoyable. And also disconcerting watching it in the IFI where you're like <laughs> sitting there I went at like after work at about half six should have gone like a Saturday night where like people were dancing in the aisles I think one couple for the last 10 minutes got up and half-heartedly started dancing at the front <laughs> and then sat down and I'm like sure the whole thing you're kind of just in your seat being like fucking it's very very weird just sitting there because it's so contagious and so amazing and will they be back together doing it live next year they've made amends they've you know have they yeah they've been appearing on 
Um, they did a, a thing in Toronto, I think, for the film festival for Reese. Um, they were on Colbert. They seem to be getting along great. David Burns, like on the Charm Offensive. I think it's happening. I saw the American Utopia tour that he did back in what was it 2018, yeah, possibly yeah, yeah. a few years ago. Did I tell you the one of the greatest I've ever been to? Yeah, and I'm not. I, I don't, we all like talking heads, but I couldn't call myself a gigantic fan. But like, I went to that gig and I was blown the fuck away. Yeah. But did I tell you at the end who was who was uh, to call it back? Who, who was next to me? And I didn't realize until the end of the show. Dave Fanning. Dave Fanning was standing next to me at the end, and I went. You know, I had a few drinks, so I, went, <laughs> I turned to Dave Fanning and I went, "What do you think?" And Dave Fanning went, "Eh, good songs were good. Crap songs were crap." He was wrong, by the way. Fucking bad timing. Hell. Bad timing. Jesus. Can I ask you? You saw us in the IFI, the Irish Film Institute, as yes. they call it. Yeah. Was it in Scream One? It was Scream 1, yeah. That screen is amazing. The sound is always great. I'm mm-hmm. always blown away by shit in there. And as a matter of fact, yeah. by the time this podcast comes out, but the day after we record it, I am going to witness a film a witness a that film. I've seen over the summer with, with my favorite score of the year. And I'm going to blast a bit of that now. So the Popcorn Award for mu- Music and Movies in 2023 goes to this one. Algebras like sheet music, the important thing isn't can you read music, it's can you hear it. Can you hear the music, Robert? Yes, I can. So, wow, yeah, that's a Can You Hear the Music by Ludwig Jorgensen doing the score there for Oppenheimer. A film I quite liked, but I'm actually really excited to see again. Yeah, I've seen it twice. Um, really kind of affected me. I just thought the performances were stunning. The music was great. The first time I came out of it, I bumped into a colleague, um, Dylan Roach, former drummer from The Chalets, who was like... I think the music was a bit much. <laughs> I was like, what? It's in every fucking scene almost. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's constant. Um, almost insisting on itself. But no, I, I didn't have that reaction whatsoever. I thought it really worked as a piece. And yeah, it's just a total like, 
cliche and come on but like cinematic experience do you know what I mean I'm glad I didn't see it at home which I often do with yeah, films I'm going to go I'm, I'm going to see it in 70 mil with, yeah. and I can't wait to hear the score I've been yeah. listening to the score in isolation so often I think it's I think it's incredible work I actually think the union of Ludwig Jaronson and Christopher Nolan is great because Tenet was terrible but the score was fantastic yeah, it was actually. Um, and also before we move off this point of course an, an honourable mention for our boy Dahi and the excellent work yeah. he did on the score for Lakelands we did an episode all about that back in the year if you want to listen to Dahi talking to Robert Higgins co-director of that movie and beautiful work there as well we have three awards left I believe oh we're, we're almost done three awards uh, probably well over the three hour mark now are we? Um, we are rapidly approaching yes okay okay, okay gig of the year home and away gigs of the year home and away so listen I'm going to give a few honourable mentions here yeah. for uh, I thought the Walkmen in Vicar Street were fantastic gig, yeah. it was wonderful I enjoyed seeing Hamilton Lighthouser outside uh, while the support act was on questionable behaviour perhaps but he's walking around Dublin 8 with his camera around his neck and then he's also in the bar afterwards across the street. We were. Uh, did he compliment your shoes as he once did after or no. before an interview? Yeah. No, he didn't to do disarm that. Disarm you? Yeah. Didn't do that. No, but I, I walked by him and I went, "Great gig, man." Uh, I, I didn't do the oh, I interviewed you once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Remember me, Hamilton. Uh, Overhead, the Albatross played an astonishing show in the Workman's Cellar, and I must say, myself and Adam and our uh, accompanied friends made a very wise decision on the way in. Yeah. We put earplugs in. We certainly <laughs> did. I bought them Get the previous those. day because I was like. They were also handing them out at the gig, in fairness. Yeah, they were at the door. <laughs> so that kind of told you what it was in for. But wow, what an experience. An incredible show. And again, I had the Albatross, uh, who I believe are working on a new album. Every new track I've heard them play in, since their comeback gigs have uh, have made me desperately want that album because they're incorporating vocals. They had a tribute song to a fallen friend at one point at the end. And yeah. like people were in fucking tears. They're a special, special band and they continue to be. Um, Young Fathers in the Olympia Theatre in March was outstanding. Was that the one that Tilda Swinton and Michael Shannon were in? Tilda Swinton and Michael Shannon were in the box and Tilda Swinton was bopping away. At one stage, like (laughs) one of the lads lads climbed into the box and they were dancing next to her. It was so cool. Explosion in the Sky, Vicar Street. They never let you down. It was great. Uh, I really enjoyed Pet Shop Boys when I saw them in the three arena and they are the majority of my shouts before we get to our kind of top, I suppose. Craig, you've had a few. Yeah, Peter Gabriel was amazing. Like he played nearly all of the new album, which wasn't released yet, which is just so <laughs> Peter Gabriel. He'd been away for like whatever twenty three years, or hadn't released an album for that long. It just such a considered show. It was like he'd spent twenty years working on it. Um, Mary Robinson was there. She got a shout out. She was bopping away. Um, his voice for you know, he's getting a bit older now. People of his generation. The voice tends to go still as strong as ever. Incredible, incredible gig. Um, the Tandem Felix gig, uh, Night of the Riots was... <laughs> That's the name of his next one. album, yeah. Night of the Riots. Um, yeah, like some people obviously couldn't make it because it was just, um, we didn't know if the city was going to be standing afterwards. I was one and, of those um, people. I was really rattled. And I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sad I didn't make it, but I really couldn't face it that way. Yeah, well, when you live in Leakslip, you're like... It's kind of to hell or to leak subs, you know what I mean? You're, that, you're, damned, if you, you're damned if you don't. But um, it was just what uh, the doctor ordered. It was great. The new album's great and the performances were stunning. Um, went to a bunch of stuff abroad as well. Before we get to that, oh, yeah, can yeah. I give you my show for one of yeah, my yeah, ones? Yeah, of course. Um, I produced an album for Melina Malone this year. Well, I co-produced it with um, Melina herself and Alex O'Keefe. A friend of mine, great producer, but we both went to see her in the Workman Cellar for her headline show. Yeah. And I have never seen a crowd 
just like snap to attention so quickly. She had them in the palm of their hand for the entire show. Um, incredible gig, band were as tight as I've ever heard a live band. The arrangements were fantastic. And it's like, you all, I always feel like I lose something a little bit during a live performance, particularly if a live band like take produced elements maybe. Um, but they absolutely nailed it. It was essentially Buka Brass and... Melina (laughs) it was absolutely incredible um she yeah she was like an absolute standout for me this year yeah tell us about your international travels Craig I saw the cribs guys that was a big (laughs) (laughs) um for new listeners or people that just don't remember really mundane details of me talking about like a year and a half ago um I had been at Primavera um with my sister and the strokes had cancelled and my sister had said if you could get like any act, like living or dead, to replace to headline Primavera now, just to, what like would actually cheer you up? Who would it be? And I thought for a second, and then very seriously said, probably the Crips. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "You're fucking Egypt." <laughs> uh, so I went to London to see the Cribs, and it was everything I'd hoped it would be. <laughs> it was great. They were playing in Camden, and like it was like the part of Camden that is stuck in time. As am I, apparently. It was a very was 2007. The, was it the Electric Ballroom by any chance? It fucking was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. You know a, exactly what, what the vibe venue. was. Like, <laughs> it was yeah, yeah, it was great. Those walls could talk. <laughs> um, enjoyed a lot of stoned gigs in New York. York, um, War Paint are great. If you've had a few Jelly Wizards run the jewels, we're doing like all their albums, like a residency in Terminal 5. Uh, I saw the first album that was tremendous. Pavement were in Brooklyn. It felt a bit like Pavement in Brooklyn. But the big one, guys. Oh, hang on, forget. Oh, didn't yeah, you, didn't yeah. you like walk around a corner and Nation of Language were playing? Oh, yeah. They were playing, um, I think it was, it wasn't just any corner. It was Rockefeller Center, <laughs> but it was an outdoor <laughs> thing. I didn't realize it was Rockefeller Center. <laughs> Fair enough. I genuinely, though, had the thing of being like, why are they blasting out Nation of Language on like Great the other band, street? And I turned way. around and yeah, they were just there like your man was rocking around. That was very cool. That was enjoyable. Division Street. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, but the big one, the big one. All right, we need to talk about it. All right. Um, this was recorded by me mere weeks ago. I just say I'm disappointed at the end of the clip that we didn't get a patented Craig Patrick. I think I was all out <laughs> by the very um, yeah end of the show. Jay Paul in Paris. I went to Paris to see him. Unbelievable. Um, the journey completed. Oh my God. I still can't believe it happened. Um, so I this, can't believe it happened. This all started with the 
Coachella bill dropping. Do you remember that? No, the this poster? all started back in fucking oh, hot press when you played me Jay Paul for the first time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew that, that 12 years song. later? And yeah, I remember the conversations well where I was being like, um, hot for 2012, the album's coming any moment. Yeah, I want so. to paint a picture of Craig putting headphones on me like that bit in Garden State. <laughs> wasn't far off. It wasn't far off at all. Great times. Um, Really good times, and the good times are back because Jay Paul is back. He played his first ever live gig this year in the year of our Lord 2023. It was at Coachella, um, like typical Jay Paul fashion. The poster for with the lineup for Coachella dropped, and he was like, he was up pretty high, but he was just like tucked in there. I know, no, yeah, yeah. didn't post about it on the socials. And I didn't hear about it. Like, I, I wasn't given an alert. I was looking at the poster and I saw Jay Paul's name and I was like, what the fuck is happening? Uh, anyway, I, I was still certain he would cancel. He did not cancel. I Did I stay up all night to watch the stream? Yes, I did. Um, was it not streamed live? No, it wasn't. <laughs> it, it appeared the next morning. Um... But yeah, like that was ropey as hell because it was his first ever gig at Coachella. And he seemed extremely nervous, as you would do. Um, but he's done a few gigs since then. Tickets appeared for some European shows. I entered the lottery. <laughs> I snagged a couple of tickets. And um, yeah, like he's really come on. He's like loving it, clearly. The band are actually really, really good. Um, really good live band. He's joined by AK Paul, um, who avid listeners might know from his own great music and also he appeared beside him in a high-vis jacket and uh, a hat on the, the, the breaking of, pro- of the Paul Institute. Yeah, it was breaking pro- ground Property Paul, Week, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all those years ago. And um, yeah, it was, it was very strange being in Paris for it. The crowd was like uber hip and like into in it. In Paris, no way. <laughs> and a Jay like- Paul gig, no less. <laughs> <laughs> But like they were into it, but they're kind of reserved. And also, like just before he came on stage, there was a about, bit cool and detached. Is that you're... Four different people knitting, like that is knitting in the pit. Sorry, oh. that that actually trumps something I never thought could be trumped, which was Jen Gannon. Yeah, describing going to see massive attack in the Olympia Theater, and someone in front of her was eating a salad. <laughs> Salad and massive and she was just like, what the fuck has happened to society itself? So there was knitting going on. Um, a knitting circle at J-Paul yeah. in France. And like the dro- when the drop happens, you know the drop in Straight Out of Mumbai. Um, I think someone fucking dropped. It was, ju- <laughs> it was just me and my sister and two guys from London who fucking went mental bowing for it. But the rest of the Parisians were just like, yes, it's good. So that wasn't a French accent. Um, I believe is what you're going for. Yeah. It it wasn't like, like it was a good gig, but also at the same time, it was surreal. It was like, yeah. Oh, he's like, it's confirmed he's he's a human. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. It was, yeah. Okay. So uh, something similar though on home soil. So I guess that's your international gig of the year. Our Irish gig of the year has to be. Yes. The comeback of comebacks. The Button Factory, the boys, the boys from Greystones. We had them on the show. Talked about their glorious comeback. It is, of course, the mighty enemies. The wonderful enemies. They played a stunning gig. What a show. In the Button Factory. The smiles did not leave their faces for the entire (laughs) fucking show. The crowd were enraptured. Yeah. It could not have gone better. And I didn't even know that you were there. I know. 
I had just arrived. <laughs> I had just arrived home from New York. I was still high. <laughs> I pretty much made a dash for the show because I still had the tickets and I got into the pit and it was fucking stunning. And I went home and I slept for 12 hours. That's and I was best. at peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it was, was great. It was beautiful. You had to be there. You oh had to my be God. there. It was, it was ex. Like, we talked about this on the kind of debrief afterwards, but there was like such an element of like relive nostalgia for something that I never lived in the first place in the yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. It was totally. absolutely phenomenal. It's like probably up there with my top three gigs of all time. Wow. I would say. That's a huge one. It's The sound was great. The lights were great. The band played so fucking well. Yeah, great crowd yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. The crowd were phenomenal. Yeah. There was no like, there's like, you know the hassle you would usually have at gigs. There's like people bushing by or someone in front of you and they're fucking great annoying. Vibes, yeah. It was just, yeah, it was all vibes. Yeah, It was yeah. all vibes. I mean like, so shouts to Enemies, shouts to Jay Paul, gigs of the year. Uh, comeback of the year though. I mean, Enemies are in that conversation, but I yeah, mean, we, yeah, ha- we sure. have a few. Uh, <laughs> I see I see Cher on this list, which reminds me that when I um, took a little break there a moment ago to my phone um i saw a headline in stereo that said share tells the rock and roll hall of fame to go fuck itself <laughs> fucking she wins it then that's fair yeah that's rock and roll we that's also got most we also got roll. adam's boy skrillex on yeah. this list we got kalella a wonderful Great comeback with raven a, a gig i didn't go to i should have mm. gone i had a ticket didn't mm. go peter gabriel aforementioned of course right the album's really good as well actually um, just what a, what a guy also on the comeback of the year list we got Blink-182 of course we discussed them um, and how uh, Fightstar my beloved Fightstar are back <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> hopefully get to see them in the future who knows uh, Creed like I mean I think Creed takes second spot yeah. here <laughs> can you take second spot the, com- the comeback yeah. of Creed who knew but it's gotta be there's only one comeback this year that we, that we, that we, we gotta hold higher than everybody else sorry Creed uh, Craig, it's Girls Aloud. It is Girls Aloud, yeah. It's really heartening to see one of the greatest pop acts, maybe of all time, certainly of this century. And um, yeah, when are the shows? I'm not sure because I got to take it for LCD Sound System instead. <laughs> that bill <laughs> that is, bill is insane. LCD Sound System idols Young Fathers. Young Fathers uh, yeah. I can take a leave shit robot. I will say, I said to Richard Chambers today, I was like, I can't wait to see Young Fathers playing at six o'clock to a half a crowd that don't care about them. That's going to be fun. In yeah. the outdoor sun. More space for you right up the front, Dave. fucking lootly, yeah. I feel like an LCD crowd will be there and maybe into it, though, no? It, it'll be a bit more He will be fine again. I, I hope to get to Girls Aloud, though. I do hope to go there. Fairview uh, Park, Malahide for LCD? Malahide for LCD. It's, uh, if it's in the summertime and it's a good day, it's going to be fucking bliss. You're going to have the best yeah, time Yeah, it's ever. mid-June, I believe. Mm. Uh, Girls Aloud uh, is three arena, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, would like to go. We'll try and go. Never saw them live. But we love them at the show. I'd say we that do. show is going to be incredible. Yeah, yeah, we are, we are very stops. pro Girls Loud podcast. Best as, singles uh, run of any band ever. Ever, absolutely ever. And rest in power, Sarah Harding. Yes. Our final award as we wrap up this marathon. Fucking hell, it's 10 o'clock at night, guys. Marathon. <laughs> I know, it's a fucking, this is the longest episode ever. Uh, weirdest moment. <laughs> weirdest we, weirdest we have, moment. We have not crossed I'm the Rubicon of three hours yet, just will. to let you we know, will. but we, we are going to. By uh, the way, guys, we still have to do a, a total dissection of Fallout Boys updated. We didn't start the fire. That ain't happening. Now. Well, well, hang on. Well, this 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 is in the weirdest. Uh, this is in your weirdest moments. So you spoiled one now. Uh, well, let's yeah, have the audio. I actually can I just say before you play this. I know that I've seen you talk about this. Yeah. I saw that they did this yes. and said I'll never fucking listen to that. And now here I am for the first time about to experience Fallout Boy doing. We yeah, didn't start the fire. Let's go.
sorry. It's, it's insane. Oh, sorry, sorry. Finding Adam here to 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 be, to be the first one back on mic here. I I I, I kind of like it. It's this unironically it slaps. Unironically <laughs> slaps. Like. It's like their cover of Bia. It was so. It's so good. It's good. This is a profile by podcast. This is good. Yes. We know this. Yes, it is. Um, Why does this exist? And also, I can't believe that you didn't pick the audio for the other bit that I'm sure you're going to mention. Oh yeah, yeah. I need to call the lyrics up. This happened because. Why did it happen? <laughs> the world needed it. It's a lark, it. is it? <laughs> the amount of time that Billy Joel, Billy Joel, Billy Joel, well, let's, let's, not. let's not. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> had discussed in the original, had elapsed between the release of that and now. So someone so had they to were step like, up. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who else, you sure. Who else could it be? So you've got them taking in everything since 1989. And Shinzo Abe being assassinated made it in? What the fuck? Blown away, Dave. Blown away, yeah. <laughs> they didn't mention there was a homemade shotgun. <laughs> no, they did. I mean, you've got to cram a lot in. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> you keep, you a lot, keep a lot's happened. Yeah, yeah you've got to keep moving. <laughs> Patrick Trump is really good at that. Just He's had a lot of practice, you know, with, with Pete Wentz. Um, yeah, it's like, okay, Billy Joel's was kind of all over the place to begin with in terms of these cultural touchstones he was talking about. But it kind of made sense because he was talking about, okay you know, we are boomers and we showed a lot of promise and we've been through this huge cultural revolution and yes, we're, you know, we got things wrong and it's now the 80s and things have curdled, but hey, we didn't start the fire. So there's there's a clear narrative theme there. This, it, I don't know what the point of any of it is. It's just <laughs> such a grab bag of like, and weirdly cultural references, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like Pokemon and like Harry Potter stuff, but then also like... Can you uh, drop the big one? Go on, go on. Hold you on have let it. Me, let me root it out. Like the, the, there's the one, there's the one line that everyone there focused is. on, okay. which of course, right, you know, me, might be a moment of genius, might be in very bad taste, <laughs> but I guess it's all very knowing, right? It's Fall Out Boy. This it's is kind dry. of... They are rye. Yeah. They've always been rye. I can't believe you don't have this to hand. This I is... have. I have the lyrics here. Jesus Christ! Well, hold on, I mean, like, here's the, the weird thing is we're not even flagging after three hours, which I find, which I find amazing. <laughs> this is, this is just much. poor prep. I, I'm, I'm calling you out for this. <laughs> this is this is true podcast. So you chose the song. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. Do you know what like, it is? Why you don't no, have no, no, a hand? No, no, this no, is no. nuts. <laughs> Do you know what it is? The li- I'm scrolling through the verses and like I know what you're talking about, but there's so many bad ones that I'm like doubting well, myself. Well, narrow it down, will I? Go on. September the 11th, <laughs> 2001, Craig. That's what I'm referring to. <laughs> Let's take it from Tom DeLonge and Aliens, Mars Rover, Avatar, self-driving electric cars, SSRIs, Prince and the Queen die, World Trade Second Plane, World what Trade else Second do plane. I have to say? World Trade Second Plane, what else do I have to say? Oh my God. Exceptional work. I think my favourite is Keaton, Batman, Bush v. Gore, I can't take it anymore. Okay. I mean, that's Not tremendous. I, guess... I, also, I also, sorry, <laughs> I'm nearly <laughs> done with this. There's more lyrics in the song. The end of the first verse. By the way, it, it starts with Captain Planet Arab Spring, <laughs> which sure. is tremendous. Yep. The first verse ends with... Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man. <laughs> like, because, you know, obviously the character has to be in there as well as the actor who portrayed him. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. That's out of my system. That's Credit. been Credit months waiting to do that. Fallout Boys, we didn't start the fire takes number three. Honorable mentions real quick for Bad Bunny being in WWE, which was pretty incredible, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, and in Puerto Rico, it was astounding crowd reaction. And he's also extremely good at wrestling. Uh, Donald Trump being sued by the village people. But our number two, Craig, yeah. is uh, Pitchfork's, uh, was it their... 50th best album of the year 
misfiled, as it were, in the rap category. Yeah, I can't really... Let's have a blast, shall we, of some zen-like sounds that I, once again, am hearing for the first time. Oh, really? Yeah. My first immediate and only reaction to that when it played was, what do you mean you've never seen Blade, <laughs> Blade Runner? Runner. <laughs> <laughs> I would love Alex Turner <laughs> on top of that. That might be my perfect album. Um, it was just Andre 3000 and his assortment of jazz musicians helping him with his... <laughs> blue Opus. Blue Opus. New Blue Son. Um, that track there was, I got one of the hooky ones. It's um, called Bipolar Disorder's Daughter Wears a 3000 Button Down Embroidered. Um, and it's the fourth track. So yeah, we were hearing that there was an album coming. Um, everyone got very excited until the second st- sentence of every news story, which was like, it's it's going to be a flute album. It's not, <laughs> he's not no of any kind. I love that this exists. I love everything he does because he is... The man. Yeah. He's a free spirit. Oh, he's he's his, it's great that it's in the world. I love the story of it. I am, as I was saying earlier on, which is maybe six hours ago now, um, <laughs> <laughs> getting into ambient music. But like, I've given this two full plays through. The first was while I was working and I was like, do you know what? I'm going to be playing this a lot. This is working for me. Second time I played it in the Your car. Your boss shaking you awake. Craig, where are those reports? <laughs> Second time I played it in the car and I'm like... There's a weird edge to some of this. And also, he kind of wrong-footed us again because he he promised a flute album. And I would say the opening few tracks are all like kind of flute synths or like auto-tunes. Yeah, that's, that's a thing. That's a, there is like a, it's like a flute, flute synthesizer. He's playing it. Like. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's like, so I'm expecting, and like it's long been established on this show, Unleash the flutes when I'm around. I love an L flute on a yeah. tune. You're a regular old Zamfir over here. At 100%. But I was not expecting that. It's pleasant. It's grand. We don't get into the proper... Because obviously we've seen all these stories of him like just popping up on the street with his flute and just, you know, playing for the masses. And by the masses, I mean like three people walking by. We weren't really getting that. It's very... So what you're saying is he didn't start the fire. He didn't start the fire. Well, a few men who did... <laughs> who take our number one weirdest moment of the year and our final award, by the way. Uh, want, we made it, guys. We made it, yeah. Let's cast it. your minds back to late summer, I believe it was. And um, yeah, it's the, uh, it's a gathering. It's a gathering of uh, right-minded souls in the UK. They're at the Tory party conference, everybody, and they need, they need a, a breather. They need some musical attention. And who better to provide it than these boys? <laughs>
You know, they talk a lot in the UK Conservative Party about stopping the boats, but nobody wanted to stop the funk heroics of Top Loader <laughs> as the top line act at the UK Tory Party conference. Craig Fitzpatrick. I feel... Well, well, Jay Paul's got nothing on this. I was going to say, like, my Jay Paul clip was quite long and I was feeling a bit like, oh, should I fade it earlier? How long was that? <laughs> <laughs> For a song, by the way, which is a cover. I know. <laughs> it's insane, isn't it? <laughs> like, um, yeah, this is not a good look for a top loader. They're just like ruining an immaculate career. Yeah, that's Held right. in such high esteem. Hate just all that it. good will undone. Roshi Murphy-esque this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they did come out with some bullshit excuse of like, we are there to speak on behalf of artists or something like that wasn't there there was a statement where they were like listen we it's important that you know musicians are represented at these political gatherings and we were come tr- on yeah yeah which is just like 1-800-COME-ON now I know that's what I say I know I know um, yeah Nothing can you imagine <laughs> the a crowd. worse event to be at <laughs> hell on earth I'd go for journalism, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, for, and, ta- and like write a piece about that, yeah, you know, yeah, be like, yeah. I went to the Tory party, like party, like fucking after party thing and it was a top loader played. <laughs> like that would be gold to do. Yeah. But yeah. if you went there. Real Hunter oh, Thompson stuff. <laughs> you went there of your own volition and you were like, I had a rocking night down the social there, <sighs> top loader playing their great song. Smashing that late bar. Smash that late bar. That's the worst bit. Has any like you've you've oft talked about the nightclubs that you've attended over the years <laughs> and the and the DJs getting on the microphone. Did anyone ever say smash that late bar? In between saying stuff like uh Thursday night ozone, uh, two euro drinks. Security to dance floor. Security to the dance floor. Let's dance in the moonlight, guys. Let's go uh, shine the spotlight in that moonlight. It's dancing time with Top Loader. I was a new one. Do, do you reckon they play that more than once in a set? 100%. Top and tail. Open yeah, close. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Like, what, maybe like the rest of the band leave the stage and the singer does an acoustic version of it? <laughs> oh my God. No, I think they just double down. They're just like, fuck it, we're doing it again. And yeah. then, do you know what? I'd say if they get a go for an encore again, They'll play the fucking song again. Yeah, this yeah. is a band that headlined both nights of the same festival. <laughs> Back in the... Oh my God. <sighs> anyway. The ultimate uh, double down. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's it, everybody. That's 2023. Three hours, we made it. Beautiful. Oh. No encore year interview 2023. If you like that, if you got all the way through, thank you for listening. Hotting in the moonlight. <laughs> Uh, patreon.com slash no encore if you want to help keep this show alive in 2024 and uh, tell a friend leave a review etc we appreciate all the support that we got this year we we really do appreciate you guys listening to us uh, ramble on about music every other week and it's been a hell of a year I want to say a huge thank you to Sonic Architect Adam for being there it's great to be here every step of the way he is the real the champion. Best. Every award goes to him. Full trophy cabinet. Thank you so, so much, man. Listen, it's great. It's 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 fantastic to just be here. And it's great to have Craig back for the, the it is. to wrap and the I, years. I, 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 and I really, like, it, it means an awful lot that you came back for this it one. It means a lot to be here. It's been slightly surreal. It's um, it's great. And listen, being sincere for a moment after all that, congratulations on a fantastic year. There's been some amazing co-hosts, but... Those people aside, you two, you two going from strength to strength. Honestly, I genuinely, it's really nice and slightly weird being separate from the show, but also seeing it do so well. And I'm extremely proud. I'm like a proud father that 
only sees the kid at Christmas. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, no, seriously, best podcast around. Thanks, Congratulations, brother. guys. No, Great honestly, being here. Like, I mean, thank, like, it, it was, it was, it's really good to welcome you back. So, um, obvious. Love lo- you. Yeah, Great. Love you too, buddy. And for the best bits. I love you too, Adam. Love you guys, both of you. <laughs> but for the best bits of the best podcast, you oh, can yeah. tune in again next nice week segue, for the best of 2023. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And we'll say it here at the end. I'm sure you'll say it at the start, but like, we will be taking some time off in January. As, as uh, per usual. We don't have a timeline yet of coming back. It could very well be the whole month. We want to take a break, reset, recharge our batteries, look at the year ahead. It's been a long fucking year. A lot of work. I think it's been worth it. It's been really fun to do. And this episode speaks to all that as well. I thought it was great. I did to the awards. Really enjoyed them. Yeah, lots of winners, fun. lots of losers, but we're all winners, really, as we <laughs> wrap up the show. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Can't have that no. sentiment. Um, we're all off to listen to Top Loader. This has been No Encore Best of 2023. Love you very, very much. Bye bye. 